Hello and welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. My name is Patrick and I'm your host. This is the show that talks about bikepacking, adventuring, and the cool people who participate. Ladies and gentlemen, do I have a treat for you today. Alexandra Houchin, who just finished the Tour Divide, is my guest today. If you don't know Alexandra, you are in for a treat. If you do know her, you're really in for a treat. She is one of the more inspiring, charismatic, down-to-earth, real-deal people I've ever met. I mean, she exudes uh, just authenticity. I can't think of any other way to to put her. She is just so um, honest with herself about who she is and about the person that she wants to be or strives to be, and it's powerful. Um, she is a force of nature. She is just awesome. I love this woman. Uh, and so many of y'all out there, I think echo my sentiments. I've been following along this tour divide as many of you have, and she has been out there pushing herself to the extreme. I've been messaging, messaging her back and forth throughout the, uh, throughout the, uh, tour divide, sending her positive thoughts. You know, this is not an easy race. I, I, I don't think that really needs to be said, but for us sitting at home, we're just watching these dots go by on a screen. It can be hard to put ourselves in those situations. And that's one reason I really enjoy doing the show is to give these athletes an opportunity or not always athletes, but just people who like to go on these adventures. But I like to give people the opportunity to share their story. Uh, it's as simple as that. You know, I love learning about the people, uh, the people that take on and choose to tackle some of the most enormous, uh, physical and mental challenges that are available to us as humans on this planet. Alexandra and I had an absolute blast talking. Uh, we were at Chumba World Headquarters in Austin, Texas, and uh, we set up in the office space there, but their air conditioner was really loud, so we had to cut that. So it's like 90-something degrees, middle of the day in Texas, and we're just in this, like, sweat box. Um, But that did not put a damper on the conversation in the least. We talked for almost two and a half hours, and to be honest, I could probably could talk to her uh, forever. She's just awesome. So you'll hear that Alexandra is not on social media and she has her reasons for that. And we'll, we'll talk about that, but, um, she's just a really down to earth, authentic person. And so kind of out of respect for her, I, I didn't really edit this episode. Um, I, I took out like You'll hear um, a few times people like come into the office or they they call the office and uh, and I'll kind of cut some of that out. But that's it. Uh, This is unedited. This is raw. This is Alexandra Houchin just talking, talking bikes, talking about some of her beliefs and the things that uh, uh, inspire her and the reasons why she rides and all that fun stuff. So. Yeah, but before we get to the show, I just want to say that I intentionally uh, delayed releasing this episode until she finished, and she just finished this morning, so I want to send a huge congratulations to her. Yeah, so she just uh, won the women's uh, Tour Divide on a single speed, and at the same time, breaking the women's single speed record of 18 days, 20 hours, and 26 minutes. Uh, which took more than a day off the previous record. 
Um, and she was also the first female back-to-back winner on the Tour Divide uh, following her win in the 2018 Divide, which we talk about uh, on the show. Uh, she also smashed uh, that women's single speed record by over a day. Uh, it was 19 days, 22 hours, and four minutes that was set by Alice Drobna in 2015. Uh, she's she also bested uh, the fastest women's time from a grand depart, beating the time of 19 days, 2 hours, and 21 minutes set by Beth Dune in 2015. And she was the second place single speed overall and led the single speed field going all the way into Brush Mountain Lodge. Um, people, we're talking about a legitimate badass here. And again, Alexandra... Huge congratulations. Uh, you are such an inspiration. Thank you for putting yourself out there. Thank you for being you and being authentic to who you are. We need more people like you in this world, and I'm glad that I had the opportunity to sit down and talk to you. All right, normally this is the part of the show where I would tell you all the ways that you can support Bikes or Death, but eh, it just didn't feel right. I'm just going to get right to the show today. Um, we talked for two and a half hours, so I think I don't think you need to hear too much more from me. Um, it's kind of becoming a, a tradition that I just like turn on the mics and we're talking and it's good stuff, so I don't want to cut it out. So that's basically, well, that's not basically, that's what happened here. Uh, so the, the show is going to start. We're just talking and I just kind of let it roll. Again, Alexandra is Alexandra. I love Oliver. I couldn't edit it out. Just couldn't do it. So, without further ado, congratulations, Alexandra. You fucking earned it. Now, let's get to the show. I feel like the trail is such a special, sacred place that. In order to like have those experiences out there, you need to like be brave enough and bold enough to go out and do it for yourself. Mm. So I do like sometimes feel like my ideas about it are like, if you're not bold enough to go out and do it and try it for yourself, then maybe you like, don't get to hear what it's like out there. <laughs> so yeah, I, I get torn I get between both of it. Where like yeah. people will be like, oh, can we take pictures of you out here? Can we do this out here? And I'm like. Like, I do wa- want it documented because I think it's beautiful and awesome, but also... You like, want people to earn it. Yeah, it's such a... Themselves. Like, it loses its meaning if... Like, a really big hill doesn't mean anything if you just look at it. Mm. But once you get up to the top, like, holy fuck, that was so hard. Yeah, those, like you say, those natural spaces are precious. Right. And it needs to be reserved for people who really want to go out there and experience it and respect it at the same time. Totally. So. Like it's so, so sacred and so special to me that, that like, I don't want to just give it away, give away all the secrets. Like part of the beauty of the wild, wild outdoors is like how hard it is to make sure you're always carrying your water and how, brutal some of these climbs are or the descents or weather yeah like the weather all of these things that sometimes you get perfect awesome moments picturesque things but like a lot of the other time it's like the shitty rain and the (laughs) mud and you're just waiting under a tree with your tarp over you like hopefully this lightning storm passes but like i think but but that's the great thing about a podcast and that's why i love it is because on an instagram platform or social media you're only getting, you might get a picture of the bad 
uh, storm and then right. a picture of the sunshine, mm-hmm. but you're not going to get, you know, however long we're going to talk, but an hour long conversation with someone where they tell you about, dude, you won't believe like this shit I went through. And then you can tell about how it's good or it's bad or whatever. But I mean, you like you, it's, it's where you can actually tell the story, your story. Right. And it's not just a, a caption. If I feel like the more energy or the more hopes and dreams that I have and I tell people and I put that energy out there, it just happens. It does. Like somebody will be like, oh, I heard so-and-so. Yeah. Like, let me connect you two or how, however. Do you ascribe that to anything? I, to everything. <laughs> I like don't force anything, even just like little things back home with school. Um, I'm like a super duper senior um, at the University of Minnesota. Um, (laughs) Super duper senior. Yeah, I've been in school forever. Like granted, I've done different things. I have a degree in welding, a degree in tool and dye making, um, art, like I'm a painter too. So like those were all things I did when I was younger, kind of worked in the field a little bit. Yeah. Tried to figure out what I really wanted to do. I thought I wanted to build bikes and I was a bike mechanic. And I was like, wait, I don't, I need to give back to people yeah and I was just working in a shop all by myself and it was like it's tough being stuck in a box all day right like I listened to so many audiobooks like which is awesome but like I didn't have that time human connection which is like ultimately what I needed so I decided to go long story short back to school to become a dentist so now I'm finishing up my undergrad in American Indian studies and chemistry um but like it just happened. I mean, I kind of just did life and all of a sudden I was like, oh, I want to try to do this. And I was first an American Indian Studies major, but taking all the prereqs for um, dental school. And that just so happened, like all the prereqs for dental school mostly lined up to a chemistry degree. I was like, oh, I might as well be a chemist <laughs> too. So I just kind of take that approach Yeah. for all of life. like just do what you love and things kind of fall into place yeah it works out man you can't put a square peg into a round hole no you just gotta go with the flow unless it's a really big round hole (laughs) (laughs) jam that thing in there all right fine yeah just whittle the it takes longer to whittle that hole so you can make things work i like this um i like a contrarian yeah to the contrary (laughs) (laughs) i beg to differ madame yes try i can show you how it will work well i what i'd like to do is skip forward to the dkxl yes. since we're fresh off of that totally. and then i want to go back if that's cool with you yep. so um yeah what it today's friday the dkxl was just this a week ago past weekend like yeah 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 like five or six days ago how are you feeling I feel super, super relaxed. In fact, um, I had anticipated biking some of the way from DK down here. Um, I was going to have uh, the guys at Chumba drop me off kind of part way, but I was like so race drunk the day after <laughs> that. They're, they're like, we stopped for lunch in Oklahoma City. And I'm like, I'll just, I'll ride all the way back and like slept and chilled in the van um, until we got back here. What is race drunk? I don't even really know. I just—it's like delusional about my this, like my mind. I have no energy in my mind, and it's all like focused on healing my body. Um, I can't necessarily walk right. Don't really necessarily know what's going on, but can eat all of the food in the world. Like 
like as if you were drunk, <laughs> except it's just like your body's destroyed from racing. Yeah, yeah. Alcohol's just destroyed your body, and racing. I like what you said. Like it's your your non-important items on your body or parts of your body like shut down uh-huh. and it focuses on the healing right so like, that makes a lot of sense well plus it's hard because you stay awake for so long in these like ultras so you're awake and like after i finished i only got like three and a half hours of sleep before the ceremony and then i was hanging around socializing afterwards after the award ceremony the next day and crashed in the van for I don't <laughs> however long it takes to get from Emporia to Oklahoma City. I, I thought it was like ten minutes maybe. I woke yeah. up and I, I guess like eight hours. I'm guessing it was there. several hours. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up and I'm like, whoa! I don't even know what's going on. So it was my first like, my first sleep. Um, but I had so I do like tour tour divide like longer distance racing is yeah. kind of what I'm better at. I don't start to get strong until like 500 miles in generally. So like looking back at trying to improve my tour divide skills, I was like, I'm going to try to do shorter gravel races because that's where I suck in the tour divide. I'm not very fast. I don't really like pushing the sleep boundaries. Um, I wasn't really good at that. I'm really good at like the technical mountain biking parts, which there are only a few on the tour divide. So I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to spend a year getting better at that. And then I heard about the DKXL. So I was like, oh, hopefully I can get in. And I signed up and I got in and I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Um, But I don't have that. I have a whole other life during the school year where Mm -hmm. I don't really get to spend that much time riding my bike. Um, I do like commute back and forth to school sometimes, which is like 30 miles. But like once winter hits, yeah, yeah, once winter hits, like there's really nowhere to do, like the roads aren't conducive for that. How cold does it get there? I think this winter it got, we had like a cold snap where school actually got canceled for like four days, Whoa. which never yeah. happens in Duluth, but it was like negative 50. <sighs> it's cold. It's cold <laughs> that's there. That's not real. Lots of snow. Yeah. And th- that's with the wind chill, but. Oh my gosh. Like so much so. I can't even fathom. It's cold with school being canceled and yeah. stuff. Well, how are you dealing with the heat in Texas? It's so hot. It's like, so hot. <laughs> yeah, yesterday, I, I forget that it's so humid here, too, and I'm just oh. sweating nonstop. Yeah. And I had the worst headache. Like, we had this little social with all the Chumba team riders last night. I'm just sitting there with, like, the worst headache ever, oh, and I'm man. trying to drink all this water. But, like, I just forget. Cause, like, I... I lived in Tucson too. I should know better, but right. you always got to be drinking water. Yeah, always. like nonstop, yeah. have to be drinking water. It's humid, so it's kind of misleading. Right. Like in Arizona, it was like dry heat, and you still had to drink all the water because it was hot, but you weren't sweating as much. But here, like just so sweaty. Yeah. So, so everybody's got a nice little shine to them. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah right. we're sitting in uh, Chumbo World headquarters right now in the office, and I had to turn off the AC because uh, <laughs> it was too noisy. So we're just like in a hot box. Yeah, just like in this we're little in rectangle cave. room of hot, sweaty. <laughs> we're gonna suffer people. together. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, a little suffer is good. Yeah, suffer is always well. Yeah, I think suffer is always good. I think it, as long as you like learn something from it, it's going to either make you stronger, you're going to learn something and get better, right? So, yeah. I it, think, and it's what makes the good seem so good. Right, you got to have that contrast. Right, I always talk about how like you wouldn't know how awesome things are in the light 
Oh, wait, how do you say that? Like, yeah, if you lived like in, if, the- if it. <laughs> it's like the dark, dark and light. So let's whatever say that it's dark is. over here and light over here. <laughs> and like the lights better because you can see how cool things are. Yeah, that that's yeah. the poetic. You can't appreciate nature. the light if you only live in the dark, maybe, or you never experience it. Yeah, or like Something the like dark's that. not bad until you know how light it. Uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Dark and light. There's difference, and it yeah. helps change your perception. I'm gonna edit it to make us sound super <laughs> yeah, smart. We said so enough sad. words in there that I'll just be able to <laughs> chop that light dark. Things are beautiful in the light. Dark. Uh, okay. So that went right. really well. <laughs> so let's go back to DK. Okay. Yeah. XL. DK XL. So to work on my tour divide game or my like longer ultra game, I wanted to work at these shorter ultras where, like. You know, it's only 350 miles, so, like, once I die, die and get tired, I'm done with the race. I can push myself a lot further than if, if I pushed myself for something crazy like that out yeah. on a 2,000-mile, 3,000-mile bike race. I might not be able to recover in a proper amount of time to be competitive. So I've been signing up for these, like, 100 miles and 300- and 400-mile races around where I live, and... The DK. Ever, ever since last year when ever you finished? Ever since last year after you just I started, finished. This is your training. I just started shorter doing, rides. Yeah, shorter rides, more races. I did the Colorado Trail and the Smoke and Fire, which is in Idaho. That's my probably one of my favorite races. Um, Tell us about it real quick then. Uh, the Smoke and Fire was the first bikepacking race that I ever did. Uh, it starts in Boise, Idaho, and... Uh, the first year I did it, it was 460 miles around the Sawtooth Mountains. It's mostly like gravel, forest uh, service roads. Super fun, super awesome, a um, lot of climbing. But then I did it again last year. I think it was like 420 or 430 miles, but there's a good chunk of... They, they said it was single track, but there was like no track. It's like following your pink Garmin line through mm. some weeds in the back of middle of nowhere, mm. but it's just fun. And I love the community of people that do it. And, and it was my, it was the first one I ever did. And September of my 27th birthday, I think I did it. Um, on, it was over my birthday weekend. So it was 2017, 2017. Yeah. So I did it in 2017 and it was the very, very first bikepacking race I ever did. And I was like, no, yeah, 20, uh, whatever. I don't remember exactly the year. But it was part of this thing where I was going to do eight races in my 28th year. So it must have been 28. Oh, eight, 28. So, yeah, it was the first race in my 28th year of racing. Okay, yeah, so it was 28th year. So race one, never done it, never signed up for anything like this in my life. And I finished third to last uh, the only people that I beat were Larry Cotters, super awesome dude, uh, but he's like 70 something. <laughs> and then my buddy Russ, who's also a super awesome guy. Um, but every time I passed him, he's like splashing around in the hot springs, <laughs> like doing the hot springs tour. He's like riding a skinny tire bike, wearing a lay, like having uh, a grand old time. That's awesome. And I was trying my absolute hardest. Uh, so it's like disheartening. Went into it with no training, no idea of what I'm doing really. I bike to it a lot, but never race. Right. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do the same race. Uh, the last race of my 8 and 28 will be the Smoke and Fire. So oh, I'm going to spend nice. a year 
trying to learn about bike pack racing. So that was in September. And then I I had school all year. So through the school year, I trained for a marathon, like a running marathon. Yeah. Oh, man. So I ran my first marathon in May last year uh, out in Prescott, Arizona. Trail or road? It was... It's road, but it was like on a dirt road with 3,000 feet of climbing and 13 miles because it was out and back. And I've like lived in Minnesota all winter, trained in Minnesota, then went to Prescott up into the mountains. I was like dying. I never, (laughs) like my legs, I'd never felt like them want to give out before. Like I could always keep going, but... I couldn't run. It was super hard. My only goal was to finish under six hours. I finished in like five hours and 52 minutes, which was eight minutes faster than I wanted to. So that's a huge accomplishment. I did a half trip marathon trail run and I couldn't walk afterwards. They had to come and pick me up in the truck and I got in the bed (laughs) of the truck and just laid down. I was done. It's hard. It's hard. I'm not. I'm not naturally an athlete. I've worked really hard to get to this point here. Um, so like marathon was on my bucket list of lifelong things to do. So I was like trying to make these eight races accomplish some of like my biggest dreams of becoming like trying to become an athlete as a former couch potato. Yeah. So I did that marathon from and, couch to Kansas. Yeah. I heard, oh, that's pathless pedaled. I heard from couch to Kansas. Oh yeah. I think I, I totally watched, um, that, yeah, that I, before I, I was trying to, like, I didn't know what the Kansas was about. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what happened, uh, whenever you went back to smoke and fire after a full year of training and you went back to do it again? Uh, I went back and I finished, I was 11th overall, but I was the first female and that was after my whole charging setup failed. Like I had a shutter precision hub mm. and a sine wave reactor, oh. or is it whatever the one is on the top tube? Yeah, the, the reactor. The reactor. I think so. Yeah, I had a reactor, and um, the beacon, sine wave beacon. Uh, no, I had a different headlight. Oh. So I had a whole different setup than I have right now. Gotcha. Um, but that was because I ordered, uh, a sun hub to build up my wheel. I, sun hubs are like a hands down the best out yes. of the generator hubs, but I ordered one. It got stolen out of my mailbox oh. and I had saved up. Like I only had a certain amount of money that I saved up and I saved up for that hub and it totally got They're stolen so expensive. out of my mailbox. I was so devastated. So I ended up buying a shutter precision cause it, like, I got somebody gave me a discount on it so i use that but it didn't does not work as good i think you have to go like seven or eight miles an hour to make that yeah not to bash uh bash shutter shutter precision i can't say it <laughs> bash shutter preci- precision yeah. wow that's hard uh <laughs> that is hard mine i i got one before because i did the well i got the sp i'm going to call it the sp okay yeah uh, i got the sp first um, just because it was so much cheaper. Yeah, it's like a hundred dollars. It lasted twenty-seven miles and then just died. Like, right. And so then they get they like warrantied it, which is cool. But I, I'm like, dude, you need something you can rely on. But I know other people like Indy that's doing the American Trail Race right mm-hmm. now. It's you know forty-five hundred miles, and he uses a SP and hasn't had any problems. So. I think maybe like for road stuff, it might be a little more reliable, but I'm like, oh, I ride hard and I ride stupid and yeah. reckless and I crash a lot. And 
like I need really tough stuff to hold up to the kind of crazy adventure right. that I am. And I think I just am too hard on my stuff. So my shutter, my SP uh, failed during the smoke and fire and I had to charge my Garmin. I like, I was doing really well. This is a common thing that happens in my bike racing. <laughs> I start out like kind of in the back of the pack and then the first night comes and like when the night comes, that's when I like, like this is mine. Like, everybody starts to get tired and I'm like feeling good and awesome. So I usually pull ahead and start doing really well and then something goes wrong. <laughs> so during the smoke and fire, I like get to a really good descent and I plug in my garment to charge and I notice that the screen doesn't light up and usually when it's charging, it's lit. And I'm like, what is going on? This sucks, okay. So I had this external battery pack that I usually use and I plugged that in and it said it had no charge. And I'm like, what? Like, oh, what happened? Oh, because it wasn't charging it the whole day. Yeah, so something with that, my battery pack died and my generator hub didn't work. Yeah. So I had to logistically plan. I got to the, there's this lodge a couple hundred miles in. I can't remember what it's called, but I get there and I'm like, might as well give up because uh, I'm not going to, I'm so not going to navigate without. Yeah. I'm like not going to do as well as I wanted to and I have to wait here and charge stuff. So I get a couple bowls of soup and I'm chilling and charging my stuff. And the woman that had beat me last year was there already when I got there. And I was like, I just wanted, I just wanted to beat her. Uh, and then she left and I'm like pouting inside, eating my soup, charging my Garmin. And I'm thinking about quitting and it's like 150 miles on the road back to Boise. I'm like, but like, where else would I rather be actually? And like, I came out here to do this race and things didn't go the way I wanted to, but like, this is why I'm here. I'd hate myself if I didn't try. Yeah. So I wait till my Garmin's fully charged and I, because I'd done the route before, I kind of knew at least where, how far I could get um, to find an outlet between my Garmin recharges. So I left and I was like, okay, I have 10 hours to make it to the next outlet. So <laughs> I worked really hard, got to the next outlet, had to wait and charge it. There's one night I got to the city. It was uh, so cold. Stan I think it's Stanley, Idaho. It's like one of the coldest places in the United States mm -hmm. all the time. I did not bring any sleeping gear because I was like not going to sleep. <laughs> so I get to this place and I have to charge my Garmin I and my headlights because I brought extra lights too, fortunately. Um, so I had to charge my headlights, but I only brought one plug-in. <laughs> one plug-in. So I like charging my Garmin. That takes several hours. And it's so cold. No sleeping gear. But there's a porta potty So I'm like sitting, sleeping upright, wrapped in my tarp uh. in a porta potty <laughs> charging my stuff. <laughs> God. And you're thinking to yourself, man, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than <laughs> yeah, right here, right like, now. <laughs> why did I sign up for this? But like at that point, um, like I was, I was catching up to like the dudes that were in front of me. My, I don't have a smartphone, so I don't necessarily know what's going on in these races. But I do have a lot of friends that will text me and be like, oh, you're about to catch up to so-and-so. So like when I do get service, mm -hmm. I'll get a flood of text messages of people being like, tell me telling me what race logistics nice. are happening yeah so that does work and my buddy was like you're 
say hi to so-and-so for me. You're about to pass him. And I'm like, oh, cool. And like an hour later, like I see this person. I'm like, oh, my friend says <laughs> regards. And then like, I go pass him. That's awesome. So it's fun. But uh, so I ended up wasting like 10 hours at least charging stuff throughout that race. But I still managed to pull. I only slept like six hours over the 400 and. 50 Could you sleep while you were charging? So yeah, I slept. Yeah, I tried to sleep when I was charging, but then like I have to wake up and switch stuff, right. and I was so cold. So it was like it's more like resting. Yeah, like laying there, or I'd be moving because I was so cold. Mm. I have to be bouncing around. Thanks. Uh, so it wasn't the race I wanted it to be, but like I kept. But you still got first female. Yeah, I was still what first female. What happened to the com- com- uh, competitor that was in the? the restaurant i mean they slept she was racing it with her husband and her husband it's laura and cody um they're super awesome people i met them the year before and it was like my birthday weekend and i had i was way far behind them but i stayed up an entire night and ended up catching up to them at a coffee like at this weird little coffee bar thing and they came after i i had already been there and they showed up after. They're like, you were like 70 miles behind us. How did you catch us? I was like, oh, well, I didn't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I finally caught you. But I was so exhausted by that point because I didn't sleep. And they had a full night full night of rest. But we chatted and became friends over that over that time. And they're like, anytime you come back, like we got you, girl. Um, so it was that couple. And they, they camp every night. Okay. Um, but still, they That's still... That's where you can make up the most ground is, is when people are sleeping. I'm right? Like, I'm really not fast, but... You just keep going. I just get so hungry not to lose. <laughs> so, I like, don't sleep, even how, though I do love sleep. How how do you deal with the lack of sleep? That's one thing I haven't figured out yet. I don't... I've been learning more about it, like, doing these shorter, like, 300-mile races. Right. Um there's time like I'll get off I'll just stop riding and eat um one of my friends told me he's like you know cowboys used to say yeehaw uh because they were tired I don't know if it's true or not he's (laughs) like but when they would get really tired riding their horses they'd scream out yeehaw and it did something with the adrenaline in your body that now I start to get really tired and I just start screaming stuff like, yeehaw, <laughs> uh, hoping that will wake me up. There are definitely times where I nod off. I'm like on my bike and I like realize that I'm falling asleep and wake up. Um, I'm trying to, I'm still trying to learn. Okay. I'm wondering if I could like smell oranges or like have something to smell, but just something. You tried like caffeine pills? Oh, or? I definitely use caffeine pills. Um, in fact, I don't know any ultra athlete right. that doesn't. <laughs> However, like, sometimes it do, they just don't do anything. Right. I like pop three. I'm like, I might have a heart attack before I stay awake. <laughs> so I try to hold off on those as long as I can. Just um, use them when you really need them. Yeah. Or like, it's how, do you, how, how do you feel about the safety aspect of that? Like, do you, do you worry if you're getting too tired and you're not able to stay on the road? And No, I think like the times when I start nodding off is when it's like the straightaways or there's not... I mean, I guess there's consequences to tipping over on your bike, but like if it's a highly trafficked road, like the traffic keeps me awake and alert. Um, It's usually in the dead quiet of something where I'm not fully paying attention. But if it's like super technical or crazy windy roads, like I'm alert, 
because I have to be for that. Yeah, that makes sense. But like the problems for me come when it's just like straightaways where there's no cars, no sound, no other people. Um, and the cool thing about these bike packing races is that everybody that's up at that hour is feeling similar to you. And you'll go through these like leapfrog experiences. So I'll start out riding with somebody and we'll press really hard on together and one of us will get tired and fall back. And then one of us will go forward and we'll catch up to the person that fell back from the other one mm -hmm. and you'll wake them up and then they'll like jet past you <laughs> and you'll fall asleep and then somebody else will catch up to you. So like usually it's when things are looking the bleakest that somebody comes up behind you or you catch up to someone and you can chat and like more often than not the person that I catch up to or catches up to me I'm like oh god I was just falling asleep or they're like <laughs> oh god I couldn't keep my eyes open I'm so thankful that you're about to pass me which yeah. is like nothing you would ever you'd never say that like in another kind of race so. yeah yeah that's true but that seems like super common and that's not somewhere I've tried to push it personally like I always just sleep right but I'm kind of interested in what I can do you know like I'm curious how far I can push that like if I just I don't know. Like how, how long can I go without sleeping? And usually it's like an hour that you just have to press through. Uh, I, th I think the, like the hardest time is like three 30 to five, five mm -hmm. 30 or like the instant you can start seeing the sky turn colors in the East. You're like, yes, I've made it. And <laughs> I just got to stay awake through, <laughs> through this next half an hour. Yeah. Um, but it's like that lonely, like so many writers have written about the four o'clock hour. It's like the loneliest time in the day to be awake. Hmm. Um, so maybe going into that, like I think about I that. Bet a too. lot of the animals are asleep or just kind of chilling too. Cause yeah, like, like whenever it turns to night that like everything, all the nightlife gets energized and comes to life. But as the evening wears on, they kind of simmer down, you know, you're not going to see as many deer and, hear as many frogs or whatever owls and all that and you don't like you don't hear anything if you listen at four o'clock in the morning it's right. like quiet yeah it's just so like still. where is everything yeah but, i never thought about that but it yeah it makes a lot of sense yeah so it's like the loneliest loneliest time i actually was listening to i think it was like a radio lab or something about one of the guys was talking about the four o'clock hour and i was like that is so true <laughs> like that is the hardest I'll have to check that one out. This time, yeah. Hopefully, it's radio. It's either Radio Lab or TED Radio Hour. Those are like the only two. Okay, good. That narrows to. it down. Yeah, so it's one of those two. But they're talking about like how lonely four o'clock is. And well, I need to find out. Yeah. I feel like I yeah, need you to have put to, that on my bucket list. Yeah. I've like been up at four o'clock riding, but I don't. I've never. The longest I made it was like I started at five a.m. and then I made it till 2 a.m. Okay. And so I think that was like 18 hours That's or something like that. still a long like day. Yeah. It was a long day, yeah. but I think there's more out there. Cause like in like a shorter race, I think maybe my idea is that, you know, you just push it as far as you can mm -hmm. and then you sleep and then you get up and you do it and break it up into a couple of chunks instead of like what I did is like four chunks. Okay. With, with like sleep and it was a 500 mile uh race and i slept four times which one what was it <laughs> uh it's called the grand gravel 500 so it's actually in college station texas which is where i'm from oh, okay um billy rice is the organizer i don't know if you've heard of him he's he's done the tour divide a few times okay. and he's he's got the record i think for i don't i can't remember if someone beat it or not but 
Uh, he was the first person to yo-yo it. So north oh, to south badass. and then south. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we got off track of the dirty cans. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, dirty Kanza. Uh, that's great. Like, but I, I'm curious. Okay. So going into the DKXL, did you, obviously it was like a training ride for Tour Divide, it sounds like, but did you have like some goals going into that race? Um, so my theme for this year was to do, so last year was eight and 28. This year is single speed on a 29er because uh, I'm turning 29. Okay. Um, wait, where am I? I'm 29. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was going to sign up for all these races, single speed 29er. Uh, I was like, okay, DKXL will help me train for the Tour Divide. Ultimately, I'm training for this race in September back home. Uh, it's called the Margie Gessick. So I'm just trying to do the best I can in all of the other races, like push myself, not only mentally, but like physically and emotionally, like spiritually too. Um, so I decided to ride. I wanted to ride from Duluth down to Kanza, but um, I got invited to like an indigenous research conference the week that I was going to leave. And I was like, ah, oh, that, that sounds cool. I can't miss out on that yeah. opportunity. So I went to that and it really helped me like focus. I'm doing some research on the reservation, uh, next semester and I don't really know how to do academic research. So, um, I'm super happy that I stayed and learned some stuff, but I got a ride from Madison to Hills, Iowa. Um, and my buddy dropped me off there and then I biked 600 miles from Iowa down to Kansas in five days, but it was like during that really bad weather. Oh yeah. There were, I biked tornadoes, hail tornadoes. Um, two of the bridges I tried to cross to get over the Missouri were flooded out. I had to reroute like the, this officer was blocking the bridge that I was trying to cross. And he's like, you can't get over. I'm like, can I please just look like, please just let me, like, where's the next bridge? And I had already gone to a bridge that was out. Um, he's like, oh, it's only 27 minutes. I'm on a and bike, dumb dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's three hours on my bike at least. So I was pretty, br- and it's like raining and hailing. And he's sitting with his little window down, like talking to me. Like, no, he wouldn't let go you this pass. Way. No, he wouldn't let me pass. No. And he's like, do you need me to call 911? I'm like, aren't you 911? <laughs> No, I was like, no. What are they going to do? Send another one of you? <laughs> right, yeah. So I was like, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm biking. He's like, oh, listen to this. And I was headed towards Leavenworth County. And the the little alerts, like, a tornado has been sighted in Leavenworth County. Mm. I was like, oh, cool. That's where I'm going. He's like, yeah, have fun. Oh, my so, gosh. It's like, okay. I mean, I obviously didn't get uh, swept away by a tornado. But I'd made this route on Strava that was all gravel back roads and thought it was going to be fun, but I tried like the, the roads <laughs> were impassable. Mm. Um, so I ended up having to reroute and take a bunch of highway, which really sucked because there's no shoulders anywhere. Um, every once in a while you'd see a sign, like share the road with cyclists, but mm-hmm. I'm like, nobody cares. No. <laughs> so, uh, in order to get into full bike racing season mode, like I'd like to tour the races when I can, so I was like, okay, I'll tour there. So I ended up doing like 100 to 130 miles a day to get to Emporia. Um, so I got to Emporia Thursday morning, chilled all day Thursday. 
and then the race is Friday. Friday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. So I got a little bit of time of recovery, maybe <laughs> not as much as I wanted, but right. like I was just trying to show up to these events so I can like kind of push my sleep and push like how far I can go in one sitting. So my only real goal going into it was to finish under the 36 hour cutoff. Oh, that's annoying. I don't know how to stop that. Chumbo World Headquarters, how can I help you? What can we do for you? Uh, Delivery yes, one, or pickup? One Terlingua. <laughs> two Stella ties. Please and thank you. We'll just wait. Yeah. Wait so uh, are, do you, are you riding from here? Like, no, I'm flying to Missoula. Okay. And then I'm riding from Missoula to the start. Okay. Which is only like 400 miles. 400 to uh Banff. oh wow that's so close right yeah it's super close yeah that's nothing i right it's like <laughs> i have a week to do it or so um so i'm not All worried right. about it i think okay. we're good I we just so. had a telephone interrupt us so we had to take a break yeah. do you remember where we were, where we were? oh no, you were was, pushing yourself and your only goal was to finish yeah my only goal is finish in 36 hours because i didn't it's my first single speed race i had no idea really like what that meant uh, changed my gearing right before race day because I toured uh, from I toured through Iowa with uh, 3619, but my bike was fully loaded. I was like, yeah, that felt fine. I could climb all the hill. I I didn't even have to walk once oh, wow. um, on my way out here. So I was like, I'll gear I'll gear up, and I put on a 17. So I was 3617 for the race. And I was riding it around the day before. I'm like, oh, I think this might be a little too hard. <laughs> ah. But once you put it on, you're committed to it. <laughs> so I get out on the course and I'm just like, okay, all I have to do is finish. And for the first several hours, I was like averaging 14, 15 miles an hour on my single speed. And I was oh, like, that's solid. wow, I'm so fast. <laughs> like this feels so good. I'm way fast, like way ahead of the pace that I wanted to be. And I was feeling strong and like granted bunch of people passed me early on but as the night set I was able to catch all of these people on the climbs and like pass them on the climbs and they passed me on the flats and the descents which is pretty normal when you're on single speed but I just kept like I felt great and I was I was pushing myself as hard my goal also was to like push myself as hard as I possibly can the whole time and sometimes that hard as I can was like 16 miles an hour and sometimes that was 10 Hmm. uh but to keep the mindset like I'm trying as hard as I can no matter what and by by the time of the start of the 200 I was over 200 miles in I was like oh man this is going great I ended up catching up to some really fast dudes at one of the gas station thing like yeah. people that I knew is fast and I was like oh my god <laughs> they're way f- like they're talking shooting the shit and they're like yeah i'm having a horrible horrible race but still i'm like i still caught you like it felt really awesome yeah. you're all out there together man i right. mean you all have the same amount of time to prepare and, right i mean you're in the same conditions so totally so i was like oh my god this this real that really light a, lit a fire under my ass and i was like i feel great you know refuel real quick in and out of the gas stations i like try not to take i can't take any breaks because i'm generally not as fast as other people so I'm like in, fill up my water, out, like as quick as I can. I pack all my food before. Oh, um, interesting. Right? I And I eat real food. Like I made bagel sandwiches and cut them in half. And like I know mostly exactly how much food I need for a certain distance. I'm pretty right. good at that now. 
That's interesting. Yeah. That's what Lael did on the AZT whenever she was trying to set the record is she uh-huh. packed all of her food. So right. it cut down on uh, the time you spend in the gas station. All you got to do is fill your water and go. Right. Exactly. And your bike gets lighter as you go right. because you're emptying your food reserves. And plus I'm like super poor. So it's a lot cheaper for me to buy like a package of ham, package of cheese and a package of bagels and like make that last. Uh, so what do you eat? I mean, it's just a ham and cheese bagel. Generally, when it comes to like these races, it's uh, salon, like summer sausage and cheese, and I'll like put hummus on it sometimes. But things that I don't like that can last two or three days. Right? Is that how long it can last out not being refrigerated? Yeah, like it seems like it. Yeah, <laughs> I've never had a problem. Uh, but I also have a stomach of steel, and. Like, I don't filter my water generally. Um, oh, wow. And I think that, like, in if it's sketchy, I'll drop some iodine in there. But, like, I didn't filter my water one time on the Tour Divide last year. <sighs> That's sketchy. Uh, I know. I don't. I refuse to live in a world where I can't climb a fucking mountain and drink water from the top. So, like, if I get Giardia, it's my own ignorance. I like it. Respect. Yeah. So. It makes sense, though. Like, I guess. Like, it, why would I climb to the top of a mountain if i can't just like drink from the heart of the, yeah. the earth i guess it's a i mean the only thing you really have to worry about is if there's like dead animal upstream or something right right and i like to think that i've had enough little dead animal water that i'm immune to it now okay probably not the case but hey whatever <laughs> I, works i pretend our brains are really really strong i know I, I think if you believe that anything is possible right like i our brains are so powerful it's kind of crazy and surreal Oh, we have a visitor. Hi. Hello, welcome to Chumba. <laughs> What's up? Oh, yeah. We Thank- don't work here. Uh, Mark is in there. All right, so... What oh, else? so yeah, I'm what- talking about my cans. Kansa yeah, well, I was interested to... I'm I'm always interested in what people eat, because, like, oh, I yeah. hate gas station food. I think a lot of us do, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, what are your other alternatives that stay oh, fresh? Yeah, so it's usually like the the bagel, cheese. Like usually you can find a place that has that every three days. And I try to make it last three days. That's true. In gas stations, there's usually like bread. There's usually and- something. And I choose bagels because I also usually will get like lettuce or cucumber, like something with crunch and water <laughs> like that makes me feel like I'm eating not just like dry carb food right. um and the bagels can hand that handle that extra little bit of juice i guess that comes from your the vegetable right. wetness so i always especially like during the longer races i'll get to a place where i do that and that's where it forces me to take a break so i'm like prepping all of my my six bagels and like chopping everything up and i'm like shoving my face with potato salad or something from the grocery store so i can eat but like i don't have time to eat at restaurants yeah um that's smart man i love hearing about everybody's ways to be efficient you know because i pack my food at the grocery store while i'm eating all the grocery store food yeah so you're making real food you're packing it while you're eating and then you're taking a break at the same time Mm -hmm. so you're like knocking out a lot of things at one time and then on your bike like i keep all my food in my frame bag and i just pull out a half a bag i'll eat it while i'm biking yep and (laughs) just like that yep (laughs) <laughs> just like chewing <laughs> it, i wish it looked that cute but it's more like <laughs> i'm like dripping boogers <laughs> like, 
food, like everything bagel stuff is uh, all over my teeth. And I smile at someone like, I'm going to sit a tooth out there. Like, no, they sit on bagel. I'm just nasty. <laughs> <laughs> but real food. I do eat a, a lot of Snickers, but the problem is like once it starts to get hot, they melt. But if you wait till nighttime, they reharden and they're delicious. And Man, they're just like the smashed. <laughs> yeah, that's good to know. See, you only learn that stuff for, through experience. Right, exactly. You know? I'm like Snicker, my friend. Or on this podcast. Or on the podcast. <laughs> my friend was like, oh, Snickers are the best bike, race, bike racing food. I'm like, oh, they always melt. And I would sit there during the day and like eat my Snickers and like lick the chocolate off the wrapper. And I'm like eating the wrapper trying to make sure I get every last calorie. And then I'm like, there was this one night I was biking through the Navajo reservation and I pull out my Snickers and it's smashed and flat and I peel it open and it's all hard and there's no Snicker juice all over the wrapper. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, all you have to do is wait till it turns to night and Smart. you can eat the Snickers again. So yeah, that, sh- that should be on the package. Yeah, like, like must consume at night in hot weather. Yeah. Consume quickly or wait till the evening when it rehardens right. and enjoy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Little so we got your know. food on the yes, DK, food on which the is DK. super interesting actually to me. So, uh, And I brought all, packed all of it mm-hmm. um, before I left. Oh, gummy, like I keep gummy worms or some sweet, sugary something like fruity. Sometimes I forget to get thirsty or some and i'm not drinking my water but if i eat a gummy worm like oh, i'm so thirsty so hmm. it helps me remind myself to stay hydrated you have no problem eating gummy worms oh no i yeah. love gummy worms they're so good <laughs> i don't have to remind myself that <laughs> eating a gummy worm is your reminder to drink water right so yeah so i'm funny. like eating the gummy worms I'm like oh yeah i gotta drink water because these things are so sour and sweet and delicious um, <laughs> so i think i did actually refill on gummy worms one time during that race and i did buy some uh power raids too yeah at the stops but did um, you have any uh any issues so you said like your races just go like that where you start out obviously you caught those guys you're doing good did you it did it went so bad um so mile 260 ish it was sounding so good i know it was so good it was like the best race i was happy (laughs) i was passing people i was like i knew there were two more single i had passed two single speeders and as far as i knew there were only five of us so I passed two and I was like, okay, there's two more that I need to catch up to. And like, I met military Mike, I don't know his last name, but he's like, just remember military Mike. Mm-hmm. Oh, this a fucking muscle of a, he's just like the solid muscle of a dude. Wow. And I was like, I want to catch military Mike so bad. Cause he told, he like made some comments about my boots. He's like, oh, you're so cool. Like, <laughs> Wouldn't it be so cool if I could catch him? Uh, with so, my boots yeah, and with, pass him? with my boots. So I was like really hungry to go get him. And I felt great, like better than I've ever felt in a race, like pushing myself, riding the single speed. I was fluttering up the climbs. Start passing the 200 people uh, because they're coming towards you. And I wish I knew like the names of the parts of the course, but it's the part of the course where it's like pretty techie descents and pretty like you drop up, drop up. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was challenging. And I should have been walking some of that, but like, seeing the 200 riders come towards me I like turn I carry a little boom box um to change up pace sometimes so I like bump my tunes on my boom box and I'm passing all these people and I'm smiling and I'm riding up stuff that I definitely would have been walking if I hadn't seen anybody so I was like okay it's getting me through this so fast I'm like cranking with all my might and I get to the top of a hill and I'm just soft pedaling after climbing something that was way too hard for me but I'm like okay I did it soft pedal mm-hmm. I thought my ankle gave out 
and I do one more crank, and my entire pedal snaps off. Oh, shit. It's like, no. I was at the top of this climb. I had felt so good. I'm like, oh, no. Okay. Chill out. I'm like sweating. I'm like devastated. I'm like, okay. It's fine. Like, I can come back from this. So I take out the part that broke off um, that was still in my crank arm. After, like, I tried to pedal on it. It was like a half an inch of a nub that my boot would not fit on. I was like, all I have to do is make it to the next town. I'll buy some, like, vice grips, or maybe they'll have some pedals at the hardware store or something. I don't know. I was like, all I have to do is make it to the town, which was like eight or ten miles away. Mm-hmm. And So did you one-leg it? I one-legged it for a while. It was like reckless up and down. People kept passing me. They were like, don't give up. Keep riding. And in my, I was so cranky because this happened. I'm like, stop saying that. I can't ride my bike. Like, <laughs> I'm really upset. Um, I tried using a stick. That didn't work. I had tape. Um I'm pretty prepared usually. So I had some tape, tried taping stuff. I tried taking my bar end off and taping it and jamming it with sticks. And I tried everything just to get myself a little platform at least to like go down a hill Mm because you can't even really descend with one pedal. Um, It doesn't work very well on that sketchy stuff. So my final thing is like, oh, I'm going to tape a rock (laughs) to my crank arm. So I taped a rock to the crank arm for like something to set my foot on. Except that did not work. (laughs) And I see my friend Jill and I'm like, Jill, I broke my pedal. I'm so upset. I was doing so good. And she's like, well, just keep keep asking people. She's always so positive. I'm like, okay, I'll keep asking people. Um, so I just kept at everybody that walked by. I'm like, hey, you got an extra pedal? <laughs> what are the chances you're carrying an extra pedal? And everybody's like, no, no, no. And I passed one of my uh, Chumba team riders, and he's like, oh, I'm not feeling that great. I'm having a really hard time. He's like, I should just give you my pedal. I'm like, yeah, you should. <laughs> but no, you keep going. So he ended up keep go- keep on going. And I finally, like two hours later, after like scooting and walking forward, I see a guy laying in the shade. I'm like, hey, buddy, how's it going? Are you okay? And he's like, no, I just called for an extraction. I'm like, oh, that sucks. Can I have your pedal? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, totally. Except he had cranked it on with a pedal wrench so hard that no matter, we tried for like half an hour, no matter how hard we tried, we were hitting it rocks. I was standing on it. We were trying to get the pedal off. It wouldn't come off. Jeez. I was just devastated. At that point, I was like, hey, it's not, like, thanks for trying to help. I appreciate it. But I just started, like, crying like walking away because I didn't want to talk about it. I was just so frustrated that like finally found a pedal and it was right there and I just couldn't get it off of the bike. Yeah. So I like make my way down the trail a little bit until I find some shade and grass and I had drink all my water because I was back there for like five hours. I call my team. I'm like, hey, can you guys come get me? I can't finish. They're like, yeah, but it's going to take a couple hours. I'm like whatever it's fine so I'm like pouting in the grass and one of the DKXL riders comes up and I had done the Margie Gessick which is a race in Ishpeming Michigan uh we did that together the year last year he's like how's it going friend I'm like "Eh, it's fine I'm fine we're like talking and I break off or I'm like oh I broke my pedal he's like oh you're so strong like that's (laughs) everybody kept saying that I'm like yeah I've heard that before I'm like He's like, but I got an extra pedal. You want it? I was like, what? What? <laughs> like, oh, my God. It was an egg beater. 
Um, and I read in like bo- flat boots. Uh-huh. Um, he's like, do you want the cleat? I'm like, well, I don't need the cleat. But um, he hooked me up with the, the egg beater. And I rode like 10 miles on that. I was pretty stoked to get back on the trail. But it was hurt. I couldn't climb. Cause, like my foot would fold around around the pedal and it was super uncomfortable. So I ended up, I was wearing my uh, surly junk strap as a belt. Okay. <laughs> and I took my junk strap and tied my broken pedal to it. So I had like a platform. So granted it was like, I was w- lopsided pedaling. Right. But I was able to finish. Um, so I got held up for like five, five or six hours trying to find a pedal, almost quitting like a million times text Vince like found pedal gonna finish knew the the single speed one of the single speed guys that had passed me he was like an hour ahead of me I'm like I'm gonna catch him like he's my friend that inspired me to do it and I thought it'd be so awesome to finish with him so I like pedaled as hard as I could skipped the last gas station stop um to catch him and then see the little headlight I'm like oh my god I thought I had just like would turn right and catch him, but he go straight and then down and then over a big old (laughs) rectangle. So I was like 15 minutes behind him. But I'm like, if I pedal hard for an hour, I should be able to catch him. And I totally caught him and we rode together for a little bit and then he took off (laughs) and beat me by like 10 minutes. But I was like, at least I caught him. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, And then finished around midnight. Like, I think it was like 12, 15 or so. What did you uh, finish single speed women? First place single speed woman. I think I was the only single speed Were you? woman. Yeah, okay. as far as then I know. Then that counts. Yeah. You need everyone that didn't show up. <laughs> right. That's what so. I always say. I mean, like it, you know, it definitely counts. Like you know, there's a lot of people that chose to have gears or stay home or right. have whatever excuse, but you went out there and you did it. And even though you had plenty of reasons to bail, and you actually tried a little bit, but it's just because you couldn't find a pedal. It's not right. like through lack of trying. Right. And that know. was like something that, like. Vince and Mark, they're the guys behind Chumba, and they know me um, after, like, working together for the last year. And after I was talking to them after the race, they're like, we just wanted to give you some time because you're so resourceful and you always make things work. But, like, in the moment, I was just so devastated and exhausted. And I was like, well, they could come and they could bring me an extra pedal, but I'll be DQ'd because it was support and... I was like, no, like if you show up, I'm just going to get in the van and go. I don't yeah. want, I don't want to do this anymore. But all it took was like just being out there alone and keep, keep trying. I mean, all these races, I end up taking away a big lesson. Like I get better and I get stronger, but something always happens. And this race, the DKXL, I learned, or I was like, it was reaffirmed that all you need is one yes 150 no's people telling me no 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 Mm. like I don't have this but all it took was one yes for me to be able to finish so like just reminds you to keep trying keep trying like whatever you want if you really want it there's a lot of things to overcome and a lot of lessons to be learned but if you just keep going at it all it takes is one yes and you can finish there you go (laughs) that's I mean that's a very valuable lesson totally because there's going to be a lot more roadblocks than there are open doors in 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 the game of life you know it's going to be you know you gotta you gotta work for it right um so do you get frustrated with like damn it why can't I just have like one clean race and like do you wonder what what you'd be able to accomplish 
Like, does that frustrate you or motivate you? It motivates me. I think I got my, I got my race with the tour divide last year. Um, that like finishing first female and that totally changed my life. Um, like the opportunities that I've had since that, like I, like I said, I'm not the fastest and that I was still, that was only the second bikepacking race I'd ever done. And I was just on a bike, like I was on my Rastro, which is meant for like mountain biking, but I wanted that bike because I could only afford to buy one bike. And I wanted to do the Arizona trail and the Colorado trail more than I wanted to do the divide. But like, I got the divide. There's a lot of women that are badass and so much stronger and faster than I am. But like I got, I showed up at the right year and it ended up to being my year. Yeah. And like, if that's all I ever get, like, I'm so happy and fortunate that that happened because so many good things came out of that. And like, if I, I, lo- I lose most of the other races that I do, like every once in a while I'll win or do well, but right. no, I mean, no one will ever take that away from you. It'll always be, you know, 2018 Alexandra won the tour divide. Right. So like, like that'll always be there. And that's like so much enough for me and like I'm happy to have had that and it's done like it's made my name at least back home like people attribute that with me and it was like not only a win for me but like a win for like my community back home which is cool uh so I get to talk about tribal issues and things that are I now have a platform to speak on Mm -hmm. um where I didn't have it before and it's just because oh, you're that girl that won the race for women that one year. And I was like, yeah, I am. That's me. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of just that, but it's also it speaks a lot to your character, right? Like, it's not like you just won a race and therefore they respect you. It's that you went through a lot of ad- adversary, adversary, ad- adversity, 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 anniversary. anniversary. <laughs> um, you, I mean, you went through a lot of adversity to, to accomplish that. And so, I don't know if you, if you were an organization, I would want someone like you championing the cause and speaking out because you're the type of person that if you put your mind to something, you're going to accomplish it. Totally. And I get it's well earned. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to like do what I say I'm going to do and like mean it, like the fact that we're humans and we can compose things that we, that aren't real and tangible and think about into words and then say those words to somebody, that's like a pretty powerful, sacred thing. Um, and it means a lot to me to be able to do. So when I say something, I really want, like, I believe it. And because I respect you as a person that can also do those things, like I want to hold true to that. Like, sure. Sometimes shit goes wrong and I can't stick to it, but I really try to do my best to do what I say I'm going to do. Even when it's like my my charging setup fails or my pedal breaks off, like I signed up for this race, and a race to me means starting at a starting line and crossing a finish line, yeah, as fast as you can for that experience. Is that a promise that you're keeping with yourself, or a promise that you're keeping with with other people? Because um, you say whenever when I say I'm going to do it, I try everything. I try to do everything I can to make that happen. Right. It's for the self. I suppose, I suppose it's for the self, but I think the self is only as significant as far as they can give back to their community. So like by me maintaining and working on myself, I'm doing that so that I can be a better 
citizen of my nation or my community or like whatever I, wherever I call home. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that uh, that's like what, why we should focus and work on ourselves is making the collective a better, a better thing. It's not just like, I'm not trying to have a happy, good life so I can live in a box and share it with myself. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be a happy, good, strong person so that I have energy to give back to like the future generations that are yet to come. Yeah, it would. I mean, certainly you don't have to do that. You can take all those experiences and keep them to yourself. But I think they're magnified whenever you you share them with other people and you inspire other people to see that it's possible. Totally. Why don't we uh, go back um, to yes, let's go back (laughs) to 2003. (laughs) Time travel. Um, I, I know a little bit of it, your story just from, I found your blog on Chumba's oh, yeah. website. Yeah. Um, I, we've kind of alluded to it, but you're, you're not only are you not on social media? I think you have a staunch. I vehemently <laughs> oppose. No, uh, I really don't like social media yeah. and I, I tried it. I really did. Yeah. Um, because I was, I moved away from, I grew up in, uh, like southern wisconsin and i moved to tucson which was like a hotbed for bikepacking culture <laughs> um and i got really homesick and tried to do social media i tried to i really wanted to be a blackburn ranger when i was younger i really tried to do that and in order to do those things you had to have social media so i tried but it just felt like so inauthentic and ingenuine to me like part of my culture um I'm Ojibwe from the Great Lakes. I'm a citizen of the Fond du Lac Band of Lake Superior Ojibwe. And so much of our culture is like humble and humility. And I just like can't talk about myself like on some pedestal. And I felt like every time I tried to post, I'm like, oh, this is so like everything against what I believe in. And then I would look at stuff like this just makes me feel this just makes me feel shitty about my own life. Because most right, of my life comparing. is academic. Like most of my, for nine months out of my year, I'm a student who lives a pretty boring life of like trying to squeeze in working out and working and going to school. So I was like, oh, this, I can't, I can't do it. It's pretty much everything against what I want in this life. It felt all just forced and yeah. terrible. And everything that I've ever wanted to happen has just happened by putting that energy out and having these real, like all of my friends are my friends because we have some real human connection. Like I know what they look like and I know what they feel like. And it's not these ideas and words across the space. It's like I've looked at people in their face and I know what they look like when they say things to me and I can tell if they mean it or if Mm. they don't or even though so many of my friends live all over the place I still feel like we got something really special because we found each other by doing by doing Mm -hmm. whatever it is that we do by doing yeah Yeah. I like that yeah it's weird this world we live in where yeah you're getting like little glimpses into everybody else's lives but you know, the, the real relationship, the meaningful friendships. Um, yeah, I think they're a little bit harder to come. I, I, I know they're harder to come by a really good, meaningful relationship. Those are harder to come by, by, but I agree with you, man. I was just, 
man, I was just thinking last night about specifically the bikepacking community and you are hard pressed to find an asshole that I haven't met anyone yet. Like every single time I've sat down to interview somebody or just meet them at an event or whatever, like they're always cool. They're you know? so cool. They're, yeah. It's it, man. I feel like we're amongst like the best humans on the planet and, and maybe I'm, I'm biased there, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I was trying to think of why it is, but I think most of us like have an appreciation for the outdoors. And, um, if you spend that much time outside, you see more, you see the trash, you see, you know, the cars blowing by you and you see all of the exhaust and you just get a better sense for this world that we live in. And then like the relationships that you form are so much stronger because you're going through similar things together and you have that bond. And so the, the end result is just like people who are awesome. Totally. Like so awesome. And I was talking to one of my friends about this the other day is that something that I love about the bikepacking community is like most of us are people that have jobs and lives and all of these things that don't allow us to travel all the time. But we all have this sacrifice thing in common where we're working towards this, this goal. So we get out on the trail and like, this is our, this is our shot. This is what we spent you know, the nine months before working toward or dreaming about or like when it sucks to wake up at seven o'clock every morning and drive your car to the city to go to school and do all of these really boring things. Like the only way I can make it through that is knowing that I signed up for this race in the summer and then I get to go and all of these people around me have also made it through their really tough year, their tough off season, dreaming about this moment. So it's like extra special moment that we get to share. Like out of all the vacations we could choose, we all, us weirdos, chose to be here and ride our bikes through rain and push our sleep limits and be hungry and hurt. So it's like we have, we already have this one idea of fun in common that's a huge thing i mean the way you put it when you break it down like that i mean all the time energy money that goes into this one thing right here to be here right now everybody has that in common right you know you're all experiencing that and so yeah i guess that makes sense and that's what's really cool and i spend so much time like the tour divide last year i rode with like a group of four or five dudes that (laughs) like this was the one thing that they get to do in their life. And they saved up so much money and, you know, they're like hoteling quite a bit and Mm -hmm. eating out a lot more than I can afford. So we have the, like, we don't have really that much in common. We wouldn't meet otherwise, but we're riding our bikes at the same pace and the same event. And I'm learning about their wives and their kids and their careers. (laughs) And like, they're like my best friends, even though we don't talk every once in a while, I'll get a text message from yeah. one of them. I was like, Hey, thinking about or read that you're doing this or whatever. It's cool. Well, whatever it is, uh, everyone just keep it up. Everyone yeah. just like, continue not being an asshole. And let's <laughs> yeah. keep this sport awesome. Yeah, totally. Only let the awesome people in. I'm going to be the policeman. If I see a non awesome bike packer, you're like, you're kick out, them out. Of here. you're out. You don't get to be in the club. You no, I'm kidding. Um, all right. Make so let's, I, why did you get into physical fitness and biking? I, I don't know what period of time that is in your life, but, um, so I spent most of my childhood pretty overweight. And by the time I graduated high school, I weighed more than 300 pounds. I'd stopped getting on the scale at 
some point um, because I really didn't care. I didn't like myself. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to lose weight and I didn't really know how to do that. Um, so I did like Weight Watchers. This was when I was like 18, 19, 2008, 2009. Um, and I lost like 30 pounds and that was really awesome. And then I kind of kept going with it um, and developed a pretty nasty eating disorder in that. And I ended up losing like 85 pounds in three months. But not healthy. Not healthy. I just stopped eating. Um, and I didn't know. I knew that I couldn't do that forever. And I didn't really know how to fix it. Um, so I started. I asked my grandparents if they still had this bike that I used to ride when I was a kid. And they said, yeah. Um, so I got this like really shitty Schwinn. It was like a uh, Schwinn Varsity. It was like green. I sandpapered it. Sounds hot. It was, it was heavy, <laughs> 10 speeds. Um, and I spray painted it purple because that was my favorite color at the time. And I started riding it to work 10 miles one way. And it was like the first time in my life where hunger, I felt like I earned being hungry. I never knew what hungry like real hunger. Yeah. And like most of us really don't know what real hunger is. Um, and we're really lucky for that, but it really screwed up my relationship with food. So I started biking 10 miles one way to work and I worked third shift at the university of Wisconsin hospital and I'd work overnight my 12 hours and then I'd bike back in the winter and this was fall or in the morning. And this was fall when it started, when I started doing it and then it turned to winter I was like, I can keep doing this. Madison, Wisconsin is a pretty bike-friendly city, and there's trails and bike lanes almost on every road, That's awesome. which is pretty cool. So I was able to do that through the winter, and through that I learned a lot of experiences. I remember biking in my Chuck Taylors, like the first time it snowed, and my feet, I got to the hospital, and they were so frozen. And I'm just sitting on the sink, and I make a little bath for my feet, and I thought <laughs> they were going to fall off. So I bought boots and I started to learn like the routes of this. It would take me like two hours to get to work or sometimes longer uh, because I like I had lost all this weight, but I definitely wasn't fit at mm -hmm. all. And biking became this thing that like fixed my eating problems. Like I was able to eat and exercise and not really like gain weight like crazy, um, which was like my biggest fear after having lost all of this. Yeah. And then that bike got stolen. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Okay, what am I going to do? And I'm looking on Craigslist and I end up buying a, a brakeless fixie. <laughs> I didn't know. I just bought it because it was cute. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is cool. Okay, so I started riding it around and uh, I parked it outside. I was going to tech school at that time. I parked it outside the school and this guy saw me unlocking it. He's like, oh, that's really cool. I've never seen a girl riding a brakeless fixie. I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. That's, Whatever that means. Yeah, that's yeah. me. I'm like, oh, that's why this thing doesn't have a brake and why it always pedals. I'd never found anything like that. So I started hanging out with this dude and his friends, and we'd ride our bike, like stupid um, bike stuff around town. And it was like the first time I ever found friends that weren't like associated with like drinking and drugs. Mm. And we like did these active things together and would bike far. So I ended up, um, those guys ended up working for Jimmy John's. <laughs> so I ended up getting a job as a Jimmy John's bike delivery girl. 
um, my fixie in Madison, and I did that for a couple years. Got pretty good at biking, um, and those guys. We did some rides from Madison to Milwaukee. There's a trail from Madison to Milwaukee. It's 100 miles, and that was like the longest thing I'd ever done. On your fixie? On my fixie. Oh, wow. Nice. I was like, oh, this is really fun. Uh, Then I got a job as a bike courier for a courier company in Madison, and I got to deliver uh, documents around the law firm in the Capitol, and um, I got to serve people, which was interesting, you know? They're like, are you so-and-so? Here we go. I had like hot pink hair. Not serving food. You Not were serving, serving food. Court I was serving orders. Court, yeah, court stuff. So how does the courier stuff work? Like, do do you work for one specific company or, yeah, like how do you get a job? Yeah. I'm- so we had in Madison, we had one courier company. It was called Scram Couriers, and there were I think there were like five of us. In order to get my job, I had emailed, and the owner was didn't respond. And I emailed again and. It took like three or four emails for him to even say anything back to me. He's like, yeah, we are hiring. I'll get you, I'll contact you. And I waited like a week and he totally didn't say anything. But I knew the guy, a couple of the guys. So I just, one day I was like done with my Jimmy John shift. And I saw my buddy Perfecto riding around. I'm like, I'm just going to follow him around (laughs) and hang out with him and bike with him. And uh, the owner pings him on the radio and my buddy's like, oh yeah, uh, Alexandra's here, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I schedule the, I schedule the shadowing shifts, but since she's already there. So I started shadowing after that to see, you know, they, the, the guys pretty much just ride as fast as they can to lose you. And you have to keep up. It's just like weeding the weak people out. Do, do they ride through the city all crazy? Like so stupid. Yeah. And I mean like the ethos, my, the owner of the company was like, stop at stoplights and stop at stop signs, like be respectful person because we have these big orange backpacks that say scram couriers with our phone number on the back (laughs) so he's like people will know who you are if you're being a douche um but i mean the guy the guys are like my brothers now um but we it was just this one company and we'd have contracts so we had like a contract with potbelly and a couple law firms downtown and the courthouses and um we had like a U.S. attorney's office that we would do like some regular deliveries for, but a lot of the framework behind it too is that we're a local small green business. So we delivered like bread and we did coffee. Just Coffee operates out of Madison, Wisconsin, hmm. and we do coffee deliveries around town. That's a great way to get in shape on your bike. Oh, it was great! Like that was my my job. I just rode my yeah. bike. It did not pay Paying very you to well. Train <laughs> right. And, and you're losing weight. Yep. And, feeling great. And eating all the time. It's like <laughs> eating disorder gone. So I got to, I got really into bike culture that way. And that's where all my friends came. And I started just, I was so happy. Never, I never had friends like that. And the community around cycling is so vast and there's so many different people. Um, so after that, through the courier, one of the guys that was a courier also was a mechanic at a bike shop. And I was like, I want to be a mechanic. And he ended up getting me a job as a mechanic at a bike shop. And so I did that for like three, three-ish years also. And it was after that, like I learned how to fix everything. So it gave me confidence to go bike tour. Um, like in the meantime, I would bike tour 
too. So I did that first 100-mile bike ride, and I was like, yeah. oh, I, can, I can go really far. So I started exploring. I did a ride around Dane County, the county I lived in, and then I'd start riding to my old hometown, and then I'd start riding here and there. And the rides went from, like, 50 miles to 100 miles to 200 miles to 500 miles. Were you doing these miles. solo? Yeah. I've been oh. solo bike touring. I've done two bike tours with people. Otherwise, everything else has been wow. by myself. Oh, neat. But it was because I had the confidence to fix my bike through, like, I was like, okay, I can get on to any situation because I know how to fix my bike now. Yeah. Um, so I don't need anybody there. Yeah. But I would get lonely on these bike tours. Um, and that's kind of what got me into bike pack racing. As I started to get older, it started to get harder to find people to come with me to go on these bike tours and it's fun and i like touring by myself but every once in a while i need a taste of like human contact well yeah a race is nice because you'll like talk to someone for like a little bit and then they'll be gone or you'll be gone and totally. you'll see someone on the trail and yeah it's just kind of nice to i think a, i think a lot of people like if you're going to go do an event like this or you like riding your bike long distances solitude is nice you know i mean you can't do long distance bike packing or bike touring and not at least enjoy the solitude a little bit but we're all social animals like right so you need like that per- like just when the weather is bad it's usually when things are bad i need misery loves company yeah. i just need somebody <laughs> to be like dude the fact that it rained for the last 12 hours sucked or when you think that you're the only person out there biking like i remember climbing to Guodi pass I think it's in Wyoming, um, somewhere on the tour divide anyways. It's raining, 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 and then you get up higher, and then it's snowing, wind, hail, mm. lightning. I've got to be the only crazy person riding up this mountain in the middle of a thunderstorm, and I descend to the other side, and I, I have this cup of coffee, and I'm warming myself up. And I look out the window, and somebody flies past, and I'm like, God damn it. I thought I was like... <laughs> He's so cool. I better go catch him. Yeah. And it's You're just not like the only crazy one right, out there. Yeah, like I'm not doing this alone. I've got these other people out here that know what it's like. And if they can do it, then I can do it. Yeah, that matters. It does. Knowing that other people are doing it and have done it matters. It totally makes all the difference. Yeah. Do you, I'm, I, I read your blog post last night about, you know, your transition from being a couch potato, as you said, mm-hmm. into uh, being a cyclist and it's really a powerful story. I was wondering, like sitting here today, is that something that you still fear? Like going back to going being a- back? I don't think it could ever happen at this point. Um, How long has this new lifestyle been? It's, I guess, cause you said 18 or 19. Is it's been about you, 10 years about that 10 I've years. had the weight yeah. off and granted, like my weight definitely fluctuates. I live in Minnesota where like we eat hot dish all the time and winter everybody gains weight in the winter back home at least. So my weight changes, but like, I can't like, I'm not as crazy as I used to be about it. And the, this lifestyle of being active, like it's the signing up for races that keeps me accountable. So if I keep signing up for races, like I can never really get too far out of shape. Yeah, because I go to a race and then I'm reminded like, hey, you're either doing you're on top of your training or oh, God, you suck. (laughs) But keep doing it. Keep signing up. And it's like the support of the community that goes along with that. Like all these other people are also signing up for these races. A hundred miles is a really hard thing to do. Fifty miles is still really hard to do. And we all 
go, we all take our weekend and this, this is where we choose to be together. And there's just something like so powerful in that, that if I keep signing up for local events and like someday I'll have to stop doing these long bike tours for a while while I'm in dental school. But like while I can, I'm doing it. I, I work so hard all year to make sure that I can have these three months to do the thing that I love yeah. and it helps me keep focus throughout the crappy school year when I'm like, I hate this. It's, it's easy to be lazy, you know, it, I mean, is. it is so, so easy to, to just like take it easy and like watch TV or whatever it is, you know, or get on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but your story really like resonated with me in, in a different, a little bit different or a lot different way. But for, so for me, like from the ages of, I think like 17 to 21, I got arrested six times. Just, it was all drug use, but Mm -hmm. I was just like a loser, you know, like I had nothing going on in my life and, um, just doing a lot of drugs and not doing anything like not having a good job, not just being a loser. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it took, it took getting arrested six times to finally get it through my head that, okay, this is not a good lifestyle. And, uh, whenever I decided I wanted to change, I, I, I remember, um, I went for a run. It was at night and I made it 0.4 miles and then I like died, you know, (laughs) I, I smoked cigarettes and stuff too. Uh And so, but I never like, that was such a huge motivator. Like being that person I used to be motivated me so hard to get into, you know, it's what drove me into back into cycling, back into working out. Cause like as a kid, you know, ride bikes and everything. And then I got into skateboarding, then I got into drugs and then, but yeah, but the bike was a way for me. It was, it was my vehicle, my tool to get back to a healthy lifestyle and leave like that other guy behind, you know? And like, it took a while though. That's, that's why I asked you the question, you know, like it, it took a while. Like, I feel like there was definitely a period of time where I could have slipped back you know, into like my old ways, but, um, yeah, just staying healthy on the bike and, uh, having, yeah, I don't know. It's like the culture, it's everything. It's like you say, it's like, I have friends like, uh, yeah, my, the, the bike is a, is a huge, huge part of my life. And so just replace all that shit that you're doing, all the laziness and all the crap we're putting, you're putting food crap, I guess I was putting drugs crap on my body. And, um, yeah, it's just a great way to, to move past that. Well, something cool and interesting that I've found out. Howdy. Come on in. Are you here for Mark? Yes. Uh, Vince Vince is is home with a sick baby, but Mark is in the back. Um, Oh, something that I found kind of, I don't know necessarily that it's like commonplace, but a lot of people, like I have a history, like a drug past history too. Um, Actually recently this year, or in 2018, November, I lost my high school best friend uh, to an overdose, which has been like really hard looking back at like, it was also in those high school years where those 18, 19 years where I was like, I can't do, like I want more out of my life than this. And I strayed from like the path of using all the time to the path of like like, trying to straighten my life out, trying to lose weight, trying to do all these things. And it's been this like continuous, continuous thing But something I found with a a few people, it's like the the bike racing is kind of like a drug. Like the high that I feel from doing 
these bike races and pushing my physical limits is, I would say, parallel to the high that I would feel when I used, um, except it's in a different, healthier, or maybe yeah. it's not even healthy, you know? It's not, maybe it's not <laughs> ideal to stay awake for 46 hours or no, however long. But you're not doing that all the time, right. too. Like, in your daily life, you know, you're working out, you're sleeping, you're eating mm-hmm. healthy, and, mostly- and then every once in a while you gut it. And I'm not a doctor, I have no idea. <laughs> right. Obviously, going that long is not healthy. What is a long-term Right. It's got to be better than like popping opiates every day. It's got to be so, better than that. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm winning in that, in that front. But I'm so glad you said that you get a high from it because that, that puts it so succinctly. Like yeah. you're just replacing one drug for another drug, dopamine. Right. And, and you're getting that kick. Oh, I thought someone was knocking. I said that. Yeah, you're just getting a kick in a different way. So yeah, that's a great way to put it. Right. And that's like something I've been in touch with like old people uh, on and off from my past uh, days as a uh, using person, um, and so many of them have turned into like I ran my marathon, uh, my first marathon, and I did this, and it's just like a different way to channel that. Uh, I stopped drinking last year, which is also something kind of hard to do in the bike scene. Yeah, that's every every event is around that. They're like, here, free beer for this. Free beer. And it was just, I was like, I did it as kind of this part of my commitment to training. I was like, I'm going to train and I'm going to give up alcohol to reinforce that. But as I gave up alcohol, it just made me more aware of the situations. You know, I'd still hang out with my bike friends at the bike parties, but everybody else is getting pissed drunk which I totally used to do. Like my fixie friends, I drank a lot in those (laughs) days. We'd hang out in parking lots and trick around and drink PBR. I mean, that's yeah, what you do baby. as a fixie kid. <laughs> but, um, being a, a, like an alcohol sober person, I would just get a different perspective. And like, also I live in Indian country and alcohol is a thing. Like it's a problem there. Also, I would say just as much as it is in like some other communities. So I don't want to say like Indians have more of a problem drinking, but like, I do notice the impacts like within my own personal life and I see what alcohol has done to like family and friend relationships. And I'm like, I just don't like it. And it's interesting and weird that it's such an important part of like, it, it seems like such an important part of bike culture when we all like go out and work really hard and do these things. And then, put this like poison into our bodies. <laughs> so I don't fully understand how I feel about I it. I mean, yeah, there's definitely a juxtaposition there. Right. I, I, for me, I, I, I drink alcohol and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, dude, there's nothing better. I mean, you've heard it. There's nothing better than like, getting <laughs> the finish line and cracking <laughs> yeah, a beer. Yeah, like a bike and a beer. <laughs> like I totally get it. Yeah. And I, I mean, they just go hand in hand and they don't have to. And it's, you know, kudos to you for, it's uh, just like, I don't know how I feel about it yet. So I'm just like fully abstaining. It was for race purposes where I gave it yeah. up, but now it kind of seems to be this bigger thing that I'm confused about now. So like, I just don't, don't mm. do it. Um, 
And I'm that, not saying that's forever. A, yeah, but. that's a good way. So like, instead of just like, well, I don't really know. So I'm just going to keep doing it. You're like, I don't know what this is. I haven't figured this out. Right. So I'm not going to touch it until I'm in a place where I feel like I understand it or have a better relationship with it. Right. It's like a super mature way to, to approach <laughs> sometimes, things. Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, mine is completely opposite. Like I, I'm the one that, you know, beats my head into the door a hundred times until I'm like, okay, this is fine. I get it. Yeah, this isn't the this, right way. I need to do it over <laughs> Like I, I have to do everything the extreme in like the wrong way. And then my dumb ass will finally figure it out and you know, that's super I'll funny. fix it. So I, that's a mature way to, to, uh, yeah, to approach that. I'm going to open this one more time. Oh, that's good. I know it's like I'm getting a nice, nice, nice wet mustache here. Austin, oh, yeah. Texas. It feels so good out there in the sun. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> like, I don't believe you. I'm going to start bringing fans. See, now I know. I've learned. I'm going to bring, I'm going to put a little fan oh, yeah. in there. See it. Yeah. In your little yeah, recording. I, it's growing as, as we go. Um, well, I think it would, I think I would get in trouble if uh, we didn't talk about your tour divide win a little bit more. Ah! <laughs> We've been talking about uh, a lot of fun stuff, but mm-hmm. that let, was like the thing that that's like changed. That's like changed what put everything. you on the map. So right. yeah, <laughs> it was such an interesting experience too. Like I just showed up wanting to finish. So the year before uh, I was living in Tucson, Arizona, and I convinced uh, my buddy Andrew to come meet me in Tucson and we we're going to ride north to Canada so that I could race the tour divide. Um, and I wanted to bring him, we used to be couriers together. Um, and he, uh, no, he's a, he was a cartographer for Nat Geo. So he like knew maps and traveling really, really well. And I was like, I want this guy to go. Plus he was fast on a bike. (laughs) I was like, who better to ride with than somebody who I, I know that I like, he's cool dude and he's fast and strong. So I convinced him to come to Tucson and. I had only planned on going, like riding with him for a month because I was trying to get to Canada for the Grand Depart. But we ended up like following, paved our entire own route. We just photocopied atlases from the public library um, of the tentative counties that we wanted to go through. So we had this like thick book of paper maps that we kept in a Ziploc bag. And every day we would look at the map and just follow a route trying to travel all the watersheds and I was interested in like the reservations the tribes that we'd pass through so we try we traveled through watersheds um, and noted the different eco regions and did like 40 50 miles a day maybe it was just fun and chill Mm -hmm. and we went swimming and we read books and cooked like real food we'd carry like watermelons and potatoes into the back country and See, that's what I like. Yeah, that, like, that was so fun. And I was like, oh, I'm trying to go to this race, but I'm having so much fun. And like, what are the chances that I'll ever find somebody to do this with me again? So mm. I just kept riding with him. And I was like running out of money slowly, but it seemed like a, it was just there and real. So I was like, I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah, it's worthwhile. Yeah, and it ended up being so fun. And then I totally like fell hard in love with him. And then we parted ways uh, outside of Whitefish, Montana and I was I still rode up to the start um, because I was going to do an ITT on my way back down an individual time trial and he carried on and 
after I pedaled away, it's just like my heart broke because he was going back to um, where he lived and I lived in Arizona and I was like, there's no way anything will ever come out of this. It's too complicated and confusing anyways. But like, I couldn't help that my heart felt that way. Yeah. So I got to Banff and I was set off to do my time trial only had enough money to buy tortillas and peanut butter for the whole trip back. Whoa. Couldn't buy new tires, need new tires. But I start out and I made it to, I made it over Cocoa Claims, which is, I don't know, like a hundred miles in. How, how far after the, the Grand Depart did you leave? Mm, Do you know? Like um, three weeks maybe okay. or a month. Okay. I can't, I can't entirely remember, but, um, I headed out and I made it really far the first day, but I had kept, I kept getting pinch flat, like flats on my rear tire and it wouldn't hold tubeless because I had dented my rim so many times. So I had a tube with sealant in there and like plugs in my tire because that's all I had to make it work. But I kept going flat and I was super frustrated, but I did like 130 or 140 miles that first day and only slept like five hours and got back up and crossed the border. And it would have been like the fastest time for any woman that year since the Grand Depart. And I like was feeling really good about that. And I was like, okay. I I don't think I found that out until later, until I texted Matthew Lee and I was like, I'm I'm quitting. And he's like, Don't quit. And he kept trying to call <laughs> me, but like I didn't get service or something. And he's like, Don't quit. You're already so far ahead of the women's pace. Like you're doing so good. But like I tore my sidewall, um, climbing out of your Eureka I think it was like I was out on the old tobacco road and I tore my sidewall and I stitched it up and I just couldn't get it to hold and I was like walking back into town and some dude offered me a ride and I was like no I can't get a ride because I'm doing this race and then I thought I got it patched up and I started biking away and then it got further and then I went flat again and another dude offered me a ride and I was like yeah, I'll take a ride. So he drives me back to the hardware store, and that's when I was like, okay, well, I can't. I'm out of the race already. I took a ride, and I'm sitting at the hardware store trying to find a patch kit, drinking, like, a Sprite or something outside, and this, like, little old woman comes up to me, and she's like, oh, honey, you look like you need a friend. I'm like, yeah, I really do. And she invites <laughs> me to her house for meatloaf and potatoes. Oh, and my gosh. That's when I, like, dropped out of the race, but it like broke my heart. Cause like I, I said earlier, I tried to do what I say I'm going yeah. to do. And I had told everybody that I was going, I was trying to finish in like 15 or 16 days and it just wasn't going to happen. I was not prepared. I ran out of money. Yeah. No money. <laughs> my bike was legit falling apart. Um, so I quit and that's, I carried on to Boise so I could catch a bus out of Boise and while I was in Boise is when I heard about the smoke and fire. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll come back for that. Somebody, I had met some bike shop dude. He's like, oh, we have a bike packing race here. You should come do that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I took a bus back to Tucson and just like painted and worked and felt miserable about quitting. And that's when I came up with the 8 and 28 goal. And I was like, I'm going to do the Tour Divide again. And all I, I need to not go in thinking about finishing in 15, 16 days, trying to break any records, trying to do anything. I just need to finish first mm -hmm. because I'm new at this and I yeah. don't know how. Finish first, then worry about results yeah, later. Yeah. So <laughs> I went, all I went into, like I rode, I drove my car from Minnesota, did that marathon 
in Prescott, Arizona, and then drove my car to Sierra Vista, Arizona, which is like 25 miles from the Mexico border, parked my car in a storage unit. It was like 25 bucks a month. And I rode my bike from there to the start of the Arizona Trail, and I ITT'd the Arizona Trail. Um, it was so hot. It was like 110 degrees. That's what everybody always says. It was so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's always hot. It was miserable. They're moving it to October now. I heard. Yeah. Which I can do. Yeah. I've never been able to do the Arizona Trail race because it's always during I'm school. I, my wife and I, I think are going to try to do it in 2020. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm trying to convince Vince to do it too in 2020. Oh, He's right. like, I think I can do it. I'm awesome. Like, so hopefully there'll be a good crowd of us. There. I hope. I hope I'm there. October? Yeah. Like, I, it's still hot as shit right. down there, but... At least the north. I'll, I want to do the whole 750. So at least the north. It's 800 now. Oh yeah, they're putting the Four Peaks option in there, right? Yeah. 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 Which I want to do. Which yeah. like whatever the longest one is, that's the one right. you want to do. Yeah. I want to do the 300. <laughs> our which our is idea. Hard. That's hard. Our idea is to uh, do the 300 mm-hmm. and then spend a couple days at the Grand Canyon. Oh yeah. So that'd be super dope. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, the 300 is hard. I think like doing 50 miles a day is like really hard and pushing it too so it's just all pretty techie single track lots of walking at least for this girl (laughs) how pretty was it though oh it's incredible it's so incredible and i just love the high desert man it's just hard hard to beat that it is so beautiful especially like after living there i spent so much time reddington road which is part of the 300 350 whatever however many miles that shorter route is short (laughs) uh reddington road was like the first bike packing adventure that i went on when i moved to tucson i like totally went to this bike shop bought a part i was like oh i'm really into bike packing and uh i had stopped the year i toured before i rode the divide like on a tour i stopped at this bike shop and the guy remembered he's like oh you were here a couple years ago before you toured i was like yeah you remembered me it's like me and some friends are going bike packing you want to come with didn't know anybody, literally moved to Tucson with my car full of stuff and hoped I'd find a job and a house and wow. it all worked out. But I was trying to make friends and he's like, oh, let's go. And they took me to Reddington Road. See? Cool. Right. Bike packers <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> there are, especially in Tucson, especially some of my coolest best friends uh, came out of that time that I lived there. And these two guys took me to Reddington Road and it killed me it was the hardest like just climbing up the road was the hardest part (laughs) and it has like these switchbacks and that's part of the arizona trail so i was just excited to get doing the arizona trail on that part where it like brings back these memories of where mountain biking really began for me and um i I did the arizona oh and then i rode up yeah so you parked your car yeah i parked my car Rode the Arizona Trail up. Um, so you were riding to the to Banff. Basically. Yeah, I was on my way to Banff, but like ch- chilling. I wasn't racing the Arizona Trail. I was only doing like it took me six days to get to Superior. I was just trying to scope out and see what the trail would be like for when I did race it, right? Because I wanted to race it at some point. Yeah. Um, so I got to I got to Flagstaff all on the trail, and then by the time I got to Flag. The fires were so bad they had closed like two sections of the national forest yeah. so i had to reroute on the highway 
um, to a good section of it. I could have still done the Grand Canyon. But by that point, I was like, I just want to do the trail. And it was Memorial Day weekend. My friend was like, I have all four days off. So I ended up actually hopping on a bus um, in Flagstaff and bust up to Idaho and spent a week bikepacking with my friend in Idaho. He's like, I'm taking you on tour divide training camp. And he took me up all the downhill trails <laughs> and kicked who, my... Who was it? Uh, his name's Russ. He was, the, he was this guy that I met during the smoke and fire. Okay. Super awesome dude. Um, I have a friend from Idaho. Okay. Uh, so I just was curious. Like, he might know who he is. What's his name? Uh, Ash Alexander. I don't think he, I know he, who he uh, is. He actually used... He lived in Driggs for a long time and then... Uh, it just moved to New York. So anyway, oh, New York from Idaho. Yeah, he's up in um, the northern part of New York, where uh, I don't know. I there's don't some know. mountains up there, and <laughs> it's York really mountains. pretty. <laughs> yeah, upstate New York, it's a different thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so I ended up spending a week there, bike packing, and. Then my friend from Missoula is like, "Oh, I have a, I have some time off too." So then I took a bus from Idaho to Missoula and then spent another week like bikepacking with my he was an old courier buddy too who oh, wow. moved to Montana and we just like fucked around in the mountains riding bikes and then I biked from there to Banff for the Grand Depart but I had gotten so sick I hadn't had a hotel the entire time I'd been traveling which was like a month or so yeah. to get to Missoula and I was like biking and I finally made it to Fernie and I'm like, I think I'm dying. I had a fever. Like, I'm so sick before the grand depart. Like, I don't want this. I'm, I have to finish. I've already told everybody (laughs) I'm doing it. So I just got a hotel and lurked around town, um, for an extra day, which had me getting, I got into Banff Thursday night before the race left at 8am Friday morning. Oh, wow. Um, which is generally my MO. <laughs> like I barely just make it places in time to start. You like roll in right as the gun's going yeah, off. I'm like, like I'm okay, here. here we go. Let's do this. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I just left. I felt I always started. I'm always a back of the packer, just chilling. Um, getting, it doesn't kick in for like four or 500 miles yeah. for me. So I chilled and then all of a sudden I was at the grocery store in I think it's Eureka the first town after you cross the border and I'm you know doing my bagel set up and spread and making everything and some guy rolls up and he's like I think you're the first woman to cross the border I'm like oh that's baloney uh the night before uh I I climbed Coco Claims it was great wonderful and then I accidentally descended the road which there's this other section that you're supposed to descend and I missed it. So I descended the road and got down to the bottom and two or three other people had descended the road with me. Oh man. Uh, it was the fir- the woman in first place at that time. Her name's Laura. She's super, super sweet uh, woman. And we're like, fuck, we just descended the wrong route. And like part of the integrity of this race is like, follow the route, do what everybody else does. So I was like, I'm going to sleep. I was so mad (laughs) that I did that. So me and another guy set up camp at the bottom, uh, Laura and two other dudes that were with her climb back up and carry on through the night. And I was Mm. like, Oh, well, 
there goes there goes my chance. Right. But I camped, and I woke up at like four in the morning. Before I was like, just wait to rain until I redo this. So I climb back up, do the thing, and I get started. And then it starts raining. Then it proceeds to rain for like the next five days or however long. Yeah. And it's peanut butter mud road, and I get to Fernie. Somebody's like, oh, I think you're the first person, the first female here in town. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Whatever. I keep carrying on, and then. I finally make it to Ovando, Montana, where there's like people t- standing in the town square, and I pull up, and they're like clapping. Whoa! <laughs> they're like we kept the we kept the corner store open in case you need anything. And oh, I was like, wow. oh god, that's so cute. They're like, you're the first woman. I was like, <gasps> now you're starting Whoa! to believe it. Like I believe you. You know, a couple of people took my pictures. I was like, oh, this is so cool. And I was totally. Uh, before you drop down into Ovando, you climb uh, Richmond Peak. And there's this little section of single track, and I love single. I'm more of a mountain bike, like a techie mountain bike rider mm-hmm. than anything else. So I was like high off of that. So it was so fun. And then I get to this town where I learn. We'll wait for the the ringing to stop. Um, oh, so I find out in Ovando that I'm first woman, and they're like, you have like 40 miles on her. Like, okay, cool. So I like push it through the night and make it to Lincoln. And I had to charge my stuff, all, everything, my charging, like I mentioned, I had the SP and mm. charging setup kind of just sucked. So I had to charge my power bank once I got to town. But like, mind, I'm super poor. So I like, I can't get a hotel. I saved up enough money for one hotel during the entire race. And I was saving it for when I needed it. <laughs> so I get to Lincoln and I find this like little clinic that has two outlets on the outside door. So I like plug all my stuff in and I leave a little note because it kind of it's like red and blinking and weird and like might look like a bomb or something. So I like leave a note. I'm like riding the divide, just charging my stuff. We'll be back at 5 a.m. or something. Oh, wow. So people don't like unplug it or whatever. Yeah. And I just find some. I find actually like this fence next to a garden that had a down comforter hanging off of it. And I lay out my tarp and my sleeping bag and I put the down comforter on top of it. So like my sleeping bag doesn't get wet and I stay so warm. I slept for like five hours and got all my stuff charged and just pressed on so hard for the next, I don't know, five days. Laura was always like 40 or 50 miles behind me. Wow. And then... After you get to High Mountain Lodge, uh, which is like a state, you have to go there. Um, I can't, I think his name's Russ. I don't remember. I don't want to say the wrong name. Um, but the guy and his wife that run High Mountain Lodge uh, just outside Polaris, Montana, have like a little cardboard thing with all the racers' names on it. And like I'd toured the divide twice before and been to the High Mountain Lodge twice and always seen all the racers go through and like read all their names. And, like, all I wanted to do was put my name on that board. And I finally made it. <laughs> and I put my name on there. And it was, like, they put a star next to it or something because I was the first female. I, like, start crying. They had an inter, like, a new employee working there. This was her first year doing the Tour Divide. Oh, wow. So, like, I don't know if she knew how special <laughs> it was. I, like, start crying. And she's, like, okay. <laughs> do you want some eggs now or something? Oh, sorry. I'm, like... I've just like waited for this moment for, for so long. And it's just like writing yeah. your name on a stupid fucking piece of cardboard. <laughs> but like, I wanted to do that. And then like the skies, they're like, Oh, it's going to rain. 
And I was like, oh, I better get going because Bannock, Old Bannock Road is this like road known for being a peanut butter mud road. Mm. If you get caught on that in the rain, it's unrideable. Okay. So I'm like pedaling as hard as I can because I see the storm clouds coming and I'm feeling a little sprinkles. I'm trying to get to the top of Bannock Road because once you reach the summit, it's gravel on the other side. Um, and about a mile or two from the summit, it just starts downpouring. I had stopped to take, I don't take that many pictures, but I had stopped to take a picture by the Bannock Road sign because I have a picture of me like three other times by that thing. So I was like, <laughs> I got to get a picture. And it starts to downpour and I get the peanut butter mud for a little bit, but then I make it onto the gravel side and descend into Lima. And Laura had gotten caught in the, in the mud mm. and that gave me a hundred, like a hundred plus mile lead on oh, her. Wow. Uh, because she ended up staying in Lima because she pushed all night to try to get through the mud and make it to town. And it was just rainy, miserable, cold. And um, pretty much from that point on, I had a solid like 100, 150 miles on and off lead from her. And I just chilled so much more. I was like, as long as I just keep doing what I'm doing, um, I found this really awesome group of guys to ride with. And we'd go out for food. I mean, we'd ride hard, like 120 yeah, yeah. or 130 miles a day. But since I was with this group of guys, we would get food together like twice a day. I started spending my money way faster than <laughs> I had been by myself. But it, it was a little bit more fun. And I like, why would I work harder than I have to? I wasn't going for um, the, the a record or anything. Record, yeah. I wasn't even close to that pace. So I was like, all I have to do is go fast enough to win <laughs> that's um, all i gotta do right and my friends would occasionally text me like she's 90 miles behind you so i like pressed a little harder that next day or something or... i love how you're getting like live updates from your friends <laughs> yeah. at every race you do like some people are yeah most people i guess look at track leader on right, their phone yeah. or whatever while they're going and you're just getting text messages like you're, personalized yeah. <laughs> You're getting like smoke signals, like people are doing smoke signals mm -hmm. and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to pick up the pace here. Totally. Uh, during the Colorado trail race, my buddy uh, was like, if you, if you do this, you can probably catch her over on this. Or if you do, if you're like texting me tactical stuff, I'm like, okay, you try to ride the Colorado trail with no <laughs> sleep. You know, he's like, tell, he's like, if you just don't sleep, you can totally catch the first place woman. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds easy Dude. to say. Did, did that upset you? Oh, no, it's no. funny. I'm like, I got upset. Yeah, yeah go. fucking right, dude. <laughs> I, you. I, I wouldn't say I got so, uh, upset, uh, but yeah, people will text you like, oh, you got this. Just, you know, go through the night or whatever. And you're like, dude, this is fucking hard. Yeah. You come out here and ride through the night. Yeah. It's easy to say you're at home drinking a whiskey. Yeah. Watching my dot. Yeah. Like, oh, sure. why are they stopped for so long? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I will get random texts like that or like, get up. Why are you still sleeping? And yeah. I'll see it like after the fact. Um, a lot of times I think people are just want to make sure you're okay too. Yeah. Like if they see you're sleeping longer than you no, maybe normally right. do, they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, what's going on? Is she okay? But it's always like so positive. And sometimes I'll get such like, Oh my God, you biked all the way through the night. You crazy person. Yeah. Most of them are very positive. Yeah, they're yeah. super nice. I, and they, they're, they're, they were motivators for me. All those little messages yeah, really, really help. They give you a little spurt of energy. Like, like oh, just knowing somebody's watching. Yeah, exactly. Somebody's watching my dot right now. It's like, 2 a.m. and someone's like texting me <laughs> like hey man we're in it together right it's cool which is like 
reaffirming and nice to know that Super nice. you got people out there. So then uh, I just... So then I just won. And then I just pedaled that. (laughs) It's like a 70-mile road to the finish in Antelope Wells, this paved road that has mile marker after mile marker counting down from like 70. 70 miles is, you know, like six, seven hours on a bike. So you're on this straight road pedaling to the finish. I'm like, oh, God, this is so long. I did it all by myself, lonely. I rode rode straight from uh, Beaverhead to the finish. And... You get to the finish line, and there's not a f- single person in sight. <laughs> uh, there is a pop machine. I did buy an orange pop and sat in the fold-out chair and drank that orange pop with my boots off, airing out my stinky feet. I was like, <laughs> okay, now I'm done, but like, who's going to take my picture? <laughs> so I asked one of the guards. I'm like, can you take my picture? He's like, oh, I, can't leave. I can't leave my post. I was like, okay. Where did the fold-out chair come from? I don't know. There's like a it was fold, just sitting there. There's a fold-out chair, a pop machine. There's like the border station. Okay. Um, outside, yeah. and there's like a little dog bowl for water. Huh. Hmm. I could drink that. <laughs> I, I, would, I go for that right now. <laughs> it's pretty hot um, on that dry, dusty. It's like a slight upgrade too, like barely enough, but you can't like ever coast. So what was it like to finish, and there'd be no one there, and. Like, it's so weird. Like, even though you know better that nobody's going to be there, like, in my head, I was like, oh, all these people are going to be cheering for me and clapping for me. <laughs> they I, are. They're just at home. <laughs> right? And, it, like, the track leader doesn't, isn't always perfect. I have an old spot from, like, a million years ago, I swear. So it doesn't always ping or follow. So I'm, like, at the finish, and people are like, are you okay? Like, your dot's not moving. I'm like, oh, I finished. <laughs> like, I'm here. It I won. Be, it should be dot, dotting pink, you know, <laughs> bouncing up and down. It wasn't on ESPN News? Like, <laughs> yeah. what's going on? Yeah, like, how come you guys don't know that this happened? They just won this really long mountain bike race. Super anticlimactic. I had asked my friend. Did you cry? Were you emotional? Or were I you just kind of like? I think I, like, teared up when I saw the border station flag waving. And I didn't cry until I had asked my fr- like my best friend from Tucson, um, like I found her on Craigslist with my car full of stuff and moved into her house. And we ended up being, she's like this rad, shreddy mountain bike chick. I saw her, she had a Santa Cruz Bronson as I was looking at her house. I was like, okay, I'm, well, I'm moving in. <laughs> I don't meet that many cool shreddy mountain bike chicks. That's awesome. So I had asked her if she would come pick me up. But I forgot about, like, the time difference. So I was like, I'm going to probably finish around this time. And that was, like, my best guesstimate. But, like, didn't get real good phone service there. And she was, like, an hour late. And I'd already been there for, like, two or three hours. I'm like, oh, is she coming? I don't know. (laughs) And finally, her and her dog come ripping down the road. And she, like, carrot cake is my favorite so she brought me a whole carrot cake and some thai food and she brought a six pack of dale's pale ale that's good yeah but it like was so yeah i had like one and i was like wasted because i hadn't been drinking for the whole divide and as soon as i see her i just like start crying she knows she knows me Mm -hmm. and she's ridden mountain bikes with me and she's been like by my side through all of these like hard physical like trying to she's way faster than I am way she's super awesome so we'd ride together and 
she was just like so proud of me and being so supportive during the whole race. And I saw her and I just started crying. I'm like, oh my gosh. She's like, you did it. I did it. So that was like the cool, being able to have like your best friend, sister, family there. Yeah. Um, that felt really awesome. And then she took me away and I like slept. It's <laughs> like, I'm trying to be social, dude, but I've been awake for the last like 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to crash. Yeah. I need I'll to talk like, to you tomorrow. I need to die a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, you got yourself. I mean, there's not much left whenever, whenever you're done. No. And that's how it should be though. Like, yeah. That's a, you leave it all on the, the course mm-hmm. on the, on the trail. I like yours better. Yeah. <laughs> so is that when you got picked up by Chumba? I actually had connected with Chumba before I set out on this eight and 28 goal. Um, I used to ride a Surly Krampus, which I loved and swore by. I rode that bike tens of thousands of miles all over the country. It's what got, got me into bike packing. I used to like, I got it right when the first year it came out and bike pack I wasn't familiar with like bike packing bags or anything so I had a front rack and I had a rear rack and I had panniers and I'd tour around Wisconsin on that thing well then I moved to Tucson and it totally got stolen because everything gets stolen in Tucson um and I only had saved up like two grand for a bike which like that sounds like a lot of money but you need a like a durable, reliable bike with like all this charging setup, up. Right. I had reached out to Chumba and I was like, Hey, this is how much money I have. Here's my story. I've been keeping this blog. Um, can you build me a bike that I can trust for this journey with this amount of money? And they're like, yeah, you seem super cool. We kind of like what you're, you're about. You can like ride for the team. And they helped me build a bike that was in my budget and um, sent me some bags and I was like, okay. They, and Vince was like, all we ask is that you like post, like tag us in social media stuff. And I was like, oh, well, Uh, I really don't, like I don't do that and I don't want to and I don't believe in that. So like, I'm just saying that up front. And he's like, oh, okay, no problem. If you just send us a couple pictures here and there, if you're cool with us using it on our Instagram and our social media, that's fine. And if you just like, you know, keep up on your blog and, you know, just keep being you. Ultimately what they said was like, we're, we're interested in you because you're you. So just keep doing that. Love that. And I was like, okay, that's really cool. Never asked me to like wear a kit, never asked me to do anything that I wasn't comfortable with. And then pretty much it was like, I got a text message from Vince halfway through the tour divide. And he's like, we had no idea. You're such a badass. <laughs> go, go, go. You're awesome. Um, and that during the tour divide experience was when we started communicating more like afterwards. And I was like, well, I want to do this other race, but my tires are worn out. So they like helped me get new tires. Um, and I was able to keep doing my races with their support. Um, and then now, ever since, we, they're just like my people as I've gotten to know them. I love, I love their business and everything that they do and believe in. They stay too, true to themselves. They do everything. Everything is made here in the USA for all of their bikes. Yeah. 
their frames. Like Mark makes every single frame. And yeah, I, he's back there right now making yeah, frames. Yeah, like I, in the other I just room. heard the saw <laughs> going. Yeah, he hand like hand welds everything, and they're just all so beautiful. They really are beautiful bikes. Right, and like as a metal worker, like that's what pulled me to them. I saw their manufacturing video, like. I know which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the one like I was like, oh my god, like I know how to run all those machines, and just seeing how much precision. I think there's like beauty and functional art, so it's like art that has a purpose. But like, if you don't know and appreciate metal, it might be overlooked. But like every time I, I have I have three Chumba bikes. I ride the Ursa Major, which is their fat bike. I have the Rastro, which is what I rode the Tour Divide on. Um, and that's more of a, a, a mountain bike? Yeah, it's like more hard of an aggressive, hardtail, descending, fun ripper. Gotcha. Um, and now I'm riding the Stella Titanium. Um, but I look at these bikes and like the yoke, like I'm like, oh, look at this yoke and look at how they do the dropouts and look at this weld and look at this head tube. And like, yeah. because I'm such a metal nerd, like, God, these are like, I've never seen bikes that look like that. They just released their uh sendero which is their like 29 plus mountain bike and the c-tube has this beautiful curve that accommodates like a bigger tire and i've never seen a mm. bike that looked like as svelte and sexy as that one does <laughs> just like it's like the slightest curve but it still it has like the traditional bike geometry yeah and i'm just like god i'm I'm really curious. So I was actually supposed to talk to you and Vince today, but Vince is at home with a sick baby. And so I'm going to have to catch up with him again, but I know he's an artist, right? He's a talented artist. And I've been then, staying at their house. Yeah. So I'm really interested because his, his bikes are works of art. Yeah. Like Cause in, in my opinion. And so I'm really curious to talk to him about how like the art influences their design of their bikes. Right. Well, I, I don't know, like, I tried to talk to Vince about some of that stuff too, but um, Mark, like he, he's the one that makes and as far as I know, like does a lot of the like design stuff too. Uh, Mark has a like pretty strong background in machining. He worked in like aerospace for so long and aerospace has like such tight particular tolerances. So like the machinist, it was always so interesting. Um, the machinist world and the welder world were like two separate things. So like I went to welding school first and all my welding guys, fucking, they hated the machinist. <laughs> and I was really good at TIG welding. And my TIG welding professor was actually um, like a machinist by trade, but started welding later, something with welding. He's like, you know, you're so good at TIG welding, you might like machining. So I went into machining school, and all my machinists hated the welders. They're like, oh, they're so sloppy, <laughs> they're so this. And then all the welders thought the machinists were so like anal retentive because it's like so detail oriented. Like Mark does, bo he's both of those worlds. Mm. So like, he can make these beautiful bikes that are like perfectly dialed. And I think it's so much to do with like, he, he's got to, I can't stop tooting his horn enough. I think he's the coolest person ever. Um, just because of like all the beauty he puts into these bikes. Yeah. He makes every, he's like the coolest dude. I've been, I've been drooling over them for years. Yeah, yeah they're I mean, so I just cool. go to the website and 
put them in a shopping cart and pretend that I'm rich <laughs> and I can buy one. <laughs> right. And that's totally how I was when I like approached them about like helping me. Uh, it wasn't even like asking them to sponsor me or anything. I was just like, can you help me do this? Yeah. I just need a little bit of help. I saved up a solid amount of money. And then they're like, what bike do you want? And I didn't know how much they were going to help me out or like what I could pick or whatever. And so I just, I was like, I want the Rastro. It's, it's pretty heavy, pretty heavy, shreddy machine. And I wasn't like greedy. I was just like, I really just want a bike that can do what I need it to do. And they helped me out and have since Vince like knows his shit about bike building, you know, cause he does it. So I'm like, he's like, what pedal do you want? What this do you want? And I'm like, well, whatever works. I don't really care as long as I can ride it. Yeah. So like my pedal in the DK, that was the only part of my bike that they didn't build for me. And like right before, like the day before the race, Vince was like, oh, what do you think of those pedals? And I was like, oh, they're great. I've ridden them like 20,000 miles. That's fine. Ooh. And then they totally snapped during the race. 20,000 is probably a lot. I know. Should probably change them like every 10,000 or something. <laughs> I I know. But like a, like I said, You're poor. I'm a poor person. Yeah. I ride shit uh, until yeah. it breaks. So Hey, nothing nothing wrong with that. But you just have to accept that for what right, it is. Right, then you I'm know, out and, there and it yeah. breaks in a race. Yeah, exactly. So I'm willing to deal with the consequences yeah. of well, that. Well, that's, I mean, that, that's really neat to hear that Chumbo like, Cause I mean, you didn't have any records or, you know, you didn't, you just like told them your story and it resonated with them and they're willing to help you out. And obviously y'all continued working together, but that's really a neat story. And to it's hear. been so cool. Like I wasn't, I really wasn't asking for like two, two, I was just like, I just need a little help guys. And like, I knew they were a small business and I appreciate like what they had and were doing. They're like, yeah, we'll take a chance on you. Like, just join our team and send us a couple pictures here and there Sweet. and like keep writing on your blog. And I'm like, okay, I can totally do that. I'm going to start doing all those things and then reach out to Vince. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need a blog right now. Yep. Get yourself some steel toe boots and start, start a blog <laughs> and hold true to yourself. All right. And maybe well, Vince will help you out. <laughs> let's, uh, what's next for you? What's next? Yeah. Um, I, f- I'm flying to, missoula montana in a couple days here which that'll be like the sunday the 10th is that maybe around that that's what i heard yeah somewhere around there sunday the 10th i'm flying into missoula and i'm biking to banff for the tour divide this year again but on a single speed i do have a goal of 17 days Mm. this time which is cutting six six days off of my time yeah um, but I feel like I'm ready to use everything that I learned over the last year, like with sleep and smaller races and just all the different things. Um, so that is my, like, that's what I'm shooting for. However, more importantly, like finish, yeah. I know things go wrong. So I don't have any like pressing things that I need to be home for to do. So I'm just going to go until I finish, but ideally I can get like 160 miles a day is what my goal is on a single speed on a single speed uh-huh. it can be done man there's I've, some greats out there <laughs> I believe you you've done it I've never done the tour divide so you know exactly what you're what you're getting yourself into plus you've been riding the single speed what this whole year well uh, I've only ridden it about a thousand miles so far okay but I rode a thousand miles in a week <laughs> so 
Um, it's like a trial by fire. You just throw yourself into it and you'll figure out. It's a long race. I right. mean, you get 500 miles to warm up and then you got 2,200 more to race. Left to go, yeah. right? And there's like the Brush Mountain Lodge is like the halfway point where Kirsten, God bless, she's like the best trail angel ever. She's posted up at Brush Mountain Lodge. And like that's that's my first, like breaking these races up into smaller things really helps. So granted it is like 1500 miles in but like that's my like i'm gonna hang out with her there i'm gonna drink some coffee and she's gonna feed me some food like that wonderful woman that she is and take a shower and that's probably as far as i know that's like my only shower but like that's where i've allowed time i'm gonna try to go as hard as i can till i get there and then like relax there a Take little bit. Take a little bit. break. Re-energize yeah, yourself. She's the best, coolest woman. She texts me every once in a while when she sees that I signed up for a race. She's like, oh, Alex, you're the best. Oh, that's awesome. I'm like, oh, okay. I will give you some of my race time because of how good she takes care of everyone. Seems like a good spot though. You're 1500 in, you're past the halfway yeah, mark. It's like just past the halfway. Yeah, you're like, you're right all right, up. I'm going to take a little, the, the little bit of this time and a little bit of this food and then knock out the rest. Well, she's amazing. She like, she, what's her name? Kirsten. Kirsten. I, I don't know her last name. Kirsten, um, the amazing trail angel. Yeah. Trail engine, trail angel of brush mountain lodge. Um, but she, like, like you go into take, I got there last year and, She's just like, I've been waiting to meet you. She hugs me and she's like, you want some food? And she brings me out a plate of so much food. And she just makes me sit in the chair and she serves me and she brings coffee and orange juice and syrup and pancakes wow. and just keeps it coming until I tell her to stop. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go back out on the trail. She's like, you really could, you should take a shower. We you know, showers, when was your beds. last shower? And I was like, okay, I'll take a shower. So I go into the shower and she stands outside the door and you peel off all your clothes and you hand them to her. <laughs> She's like in rubber gloves. <laughs> and she takes it and puts it in the laundry and gives you an outfit to wear while you're sitting around waiting for all your laundry wow. to wash. And she has like this spread of like all the all the butt creams you could ever need because saddle sores are real. Uh, Band-aids, energy, goos, all sorts of stuff. My goodness. And she doesn't there's no it's donation only wow so it's like however much you can give i'd give her everything if i could so she gets five stars on uh bikepacking yelp yeah trail angels she's like a hands down one of the kindest that sounds insane sweetest that's awesome women ever yeah so welcoming it's like seeing your best friend out there it's a great community man even people that support it you know they see what you're out there doing and they just want to help. It's so totally. neat. Totally. It's yeah. so cool. And the tour divide route is so cool for that just because um, it's so it's so much more popular and common. So there's so many more people that like come out and know. So like when I was leading the women's pack last year, like people would come out of nowhere and be like taking my picture or this one woman pulled over on the side of the road and she's like, here, I made you some apple cake. <laughs> like, I don't even know you, but you know, she's just like giving us food on the trail yeah. it's just like the coolest coolest thing the people that i love it it's like the communities you go through and they're like cheering you on you feel like you have nothing left and all of a sudden like somebody in their car is like cheering you on they're like oh that's all awesome. go alexandra go like, how do you know my name <laughs> <laughs> track leaders this is so weird <laughs> well good luck this year 
Thank you. I'll definitely be watching your dot from home and drinking whiskey. Yay. And I'll, it'll be fun. I'll get your phone number. I'll text yeah, you. Yeah, text me some positive <laughs> cheering. I'll send stuff. you some positivity and let you know what all your time splits are or whatever those okay, are. Okay, let me, yeah. I'll need to know that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Uh, genuinely, I love your story. I love your passion. I love, I love that, I love stories where like, you can point to Alexandria and be like, okay, if Alexandria can do it, I can do it. You know what I'm saying? Like you didn't come from a background where you were like super fit or anything. Like you came from probably one of the worst spots health wise, Mm -hmm. and you've worked yourself all the way to be the first female tour divide finisher. Yeah. Right. Like that's just a fact. uh, Those are facts, you know? And like, and, and you did that, you know? And totally. And like, really if I can do it like I believe anybody else can do it too yeah and so much of that is like I see somebody else doing it and I'm like I can do that if they can I can exactly so if I can you can exactly so. preach I love it I love that message that's the one that I want to get out more than anything doesn't matter what your bike is totally. how much you weigh what whatever demons you have I mean whatever whatever your adversity is everybody has some just go out there and ride your damn bike. That's what I always say. Just go ride. Ride your damn bike. Just yep, go do it. it. All right. Thank you. That was awesome. Check. Out of here. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you and congratulations to Alexandra. It was truly a treat to talk to you. And I cannot wait to do it again. Thank you for inspiring so many people, myself included. Now, go eat a damn cookie or something. I think you earned it. And maybe a nap too, huh? <laughs> all right. Well, I didn't do it at the beginning of the show, but uh, I do have to uh, let you all know that this show is 100% community supported. There are no advertisers. There are no sponsors. Um, it's just me putting in 30 to 40 hours every single week to bring you a new episode. And if you like this kind of content and you want to support me, you want to support the show, you want me to keep it up, uh, then your support is greatly appreciated. You can support the show in three ways. You can go to Patreon and financially support the show. Uh, you can find me there. I'm bikes or death on Patreon. Um, you can go to my website. It's bikesordeath.com and there is an Amazon affiliate link there. If you'll bookmark that and use it every single time that you make a purchase on Amazon, I get a little bit of a cut. It doesn't cost you anything, but it goes straight to my pocket and it's a great way to support the show. Lastly, uh, I've been really digging all the iTunes reviews lately. Last time I, I said we were like at 59. Now we're up to 73. We are quickly coming up to 100. Uh, this show continually is in the top 100 podcast uh, in the outdoor category. So out of all the podcasts in the outdoor category, we are almost always in the top 100, uh, which is freaking insane. I, I mean... I got to be honest, I want to get this thing to like the top 10 of outdoors. I want to put bikepacking and adventure racing and the outdoors and all the things we love, I want to put it at the top. I want to give this exposure. And the only way to do that is for y'all to go on and spread the word. And so many of y'all have, which is why the podcast is growing, which is why the reviews are there, which is why there's patrons. So thank you to everybody who has reach out in whatever way you can to support this show. Um, it really means a lot and it is working. So thank you for your efforts. Um, I look at this as like, we're a team. It's just us. We're in this together and we can grow this thing if we want to. So thank y'all. And, um, for real, just go ride your damn bike. 
Panther.